Yeah, that's right. Bow, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> Bow down to your master. Yeah, coolie. Kiss my converse. ever do a cover of everybody is kung fu fighting <laughs> i figured I with brett on that would have been the most amazing intro ever i wish no I myself, that's a no i told myself not to bring him into this one. Oh, okay well so we're going with the boring intro then right yeah. <laughs> go for it man okay well we got brad's cough in there so let's just make that yep. the intro <clears throat> um hey everybody welcome to the third week of Ip Man Month. Um, I am one of your hosts, Troy. Uh, with me, as always, is Brad Anderson. How are you doing tonight, Brad? Fantastic. Two movies tonight, Troy. I Two. know. And we just discovered Meatloaf did not do a cover of Everybody's Kung Fu Fighting, which was super disappointing. But um, <laughs> the cool thing about this is we did bring back uh, a fantastic guest. He's been on a couple of times. And um, he's kind of... I don't know. He's been pigeonholed as our action person now because I think all the movies he's joined have been action related or or meatloaf themed. Um, <laughs> since he's a big a big meatloaf fan, but um, Brett, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I uh, it took some convincing to the listening audience when I found out there was no meatloaf. But I'll overcome. Um, it, well, but we did bring you back on an episode that you actually had to do a little bit more work, so. Typically, we get together and we do, what, one film? Um, So Brett is earning his paycheck tonight. Yes. Uh, And as Brad likes to say, uh, pack a lunch. This one, it it might be a little long because we are tackling two films. Um, Brad, what are we talking about tonight? We were talking about the third film in the It Man trilogy, It Man 3, and then the It Man legacy film, uh, Master Z. Yeah, 3.5, right? So it's the film took place after it man three but before it man four uh and it has a lot of um well some very significant cast members are carried over uh however the one that is not carried over is donnie yen and the character of it man and we're going to get into that but uh that this is going to be a fun um episode because brett before before we get into this i mean brad and i have been talking uh for the last two weeks about um, like episode one, we spent a lot of time, not just on it, man, but Chinese films in general. And I thought this was interesting, Brad. Um, we've been talking about the relationship between filmmakers and the Chinese government um, and how that kind of works, especially um, Chinese and Hong Kong co-productions. And um, there was an article that came out around the 16th of this month. Um, Judd Apatow 
went on uh um, had some things to say he did he he went in front of the news uh and and the article i pulled it off of was indiewire because it just showed up in one of my news feeds and and the title of the news feed was judd apatow calls out hollywood censorship in china they've bought our silence with money did you happen to read this article i did yeah brett did you know about this i did not know yeah please enlighten me um so if if anybody's curious, you go back a couple of episodes. One of the things that is, uh, which you have to understand, especially with Hong Kong Chinese co-productions, is there are a lot of hoops to go through to get your script and your movie made. Um, and one of those is you have to get approval from the government. Um, there, you know, and, and you know, go back listen to the episode. I, I think we did a pretty good job of explaining if your script, you know, has to do with this particular topic. Not only do you have to go through, you know, the Chinese Film Board review, but depending on what your script is talking about, then that branch of the government also has to review it. But Judd Apatow is kind of basically saying that Hollywood um, is allowing itself to be censored in the international market, especially in a country like China, in order to get its movie to play in that country. So keep in mind that you know China will only let so many um, foreign films play within their theaters. They have a quota. Um, they will not let anything play outside of that quota because they want preferential treatment to their product. Um, but it's interesting because he's he's basically sort of calling out Hollywood, and he's saying that we're we're in in order to appease that box office um, and to get Hollywood movies made in there. They're making some creative and critical choices within their scripts and everything else. And it, it's a really good article. I'm sure, you know, you can find this on the uh, Internet. But, um, you know, there's a section in here where it says, in addition to censoring content, Hollywood studios have also included China-friendly content in certain films in order to guarantee a theatrical release in the country. And I didn't know this. Rian Johnson's Looper, for instance, was famously rewritten to include China in its storyline so that the movie could bypass China's strict foreign film quota. Um and uh, when filmmakers take a stand against China, see Quentin Tarantino refusing to edit out the Bruce Lee scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, their films are blocked from the country and risk losing a significant percentage of their box office. So, Do I of- remember correctly, wasn't the Red Dawn remake like a Chinese invasion and then they... Change actually it to went Korea. back in, in Korea, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that it, it could get, you know, yeah. the possibility of a theatrical release. Yeah. But I thought this is interesting. This has been the topic of our conversation for the last couple of weeks. And lo and behold, Judd Apatow, I don't know if he's listening. So Judd Apatow listens confirmed. Yeah, I hope so. He's a yeah. listener. <laughs> um, did, Learn to edit a film. Did, Sorry. did you know any of that stuff, Brad? <laughs> yeah. we, we've learned a lot over the last couple of weeks just diving into the backstory. But did you know anything, you know, about how that worked? I, you know, I... I didn't, um, but it, that breaks my heart because you mean The Great Wall with Matt Damon wasn't just a great film all around, and was it made for that reason? It's a good question. I have to go back. And I, I remember liking that film, but... Um... That... Oh, Troy. <laughs> that movie's terrible. Uh, <laughs> you know... But no, I, I do seriously think there was an... I read an article when that film came out that didn't go into that detail, but it, it touched on that. Um, and I think the film actually did really well. Yeah, I, I'm China. not going to sit here and defend it to be a, a good film. I, I know it's not a good film, but it's one of those films that there are parts of it I kind of liked. 
Um, but I'm an apologist in anything that comes down to like uh, traditional martial arts action. So uh, it's just it's interesting. Um, and it'll be another topic for tonight's discussion because there are some themes that carry over from Ip Man 1 and 2 uh, into these two films. But before we get into that, Brett, I got to know, I know we're bouncing a little bit all over the place, but, you know, before we talk about these films, I got to know, Brad and I had talked and shared it, um, one of our episodes, kind of how we got into our love of martial arts films. What did it for you, man? What, what was, how did you get introduced to this genre? Because when we asked you about it, man, you were, you were all over it. And I I know you love these films. So what, what got you hooked? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, if you remember back to when you all, ripped me for not having an 80s artist and i said well can we count wu-tang as my artist <laughs> any anybody that knows anything about wu-tang knows how much they love kung fu and rizza in fact has done some kung fu films that i've really liked they they haven't gone over real well with american audiences but i've i've really liked them so when i started listening to them i got into some of the older bruce lee movies that everybody's seen um enter the dragon obviously fist of fury uh, I love Game of Death, but it's not quite as popular as probably Enter the Dragon. But then it, it kind of, there was, I'll say a lull, but the big movie that got me into it again, so to speak, was The Raid in 2011. And in fact, the, the sequel, The Raid 2, is easily probably my favorite martial arts film ever made. It's, I think it's arguably a perfect film. So that's... You, I know, Troy, you and I have talked for a while now. We were talking about before the show, seven, eight years. We've been sort of trading laser discs. So I don't know. It's just always had a special place in my heart. I, I love the choreography. I think it's just that's what I kept writing down in my notes throughout these two films, just how smooth. And it just it was, it was clean. Clean was the word I kept using for the choreography. And so I think they're just they've always been special to me. And I'm just pumped to get to talk about these two films. So do you have a favorite, I don't know, on-screen martial artist? Is it um, the Ray that was Iko Ues? Is that how you say his name? Iko Ues. That's how I would say it. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to go with. Um, I mean, it's it's so hard to, to go away from Bruce Lee, just given what he did for the genre as a whole. But I I do think his like gritty choreography the, the Iwo Uwes, I, I think there's just something about the way he does. And I think he was in the Skyline sequel. Wasn't he yeah. in a Skyline, Skyline Beyond sequel? Beyond, like which Troy will, I think Troy's going to say is a good movie. I, I really like that film. It has Frank Grillo in it, man. It's, I know. It's an is awesome it Frank film, Grillo? Yeah. yeah. It's a great film. We need to, we could do a whole Frank Grillo month. I think so. <laughs> Dude, don't tip me. We will do that. <laughs> Yeah, so let's go with Ewo. He's my guy. Okay, cool. He's he's one of those. Um, I what what was the Mark Wahlberg thing he did? Was it Mile Twenty Two? Mile Twenty Two. Yeah, he's he's been trying to get into. I think the you know the mainstream audiences. He did that Netflix series. Um, oh my goodness, I, I like watched one episode of it. Mark Dacascos is in it, and it, I'm totally drawing a blank on it. Uh, didn't really finish it much less get past um episode one it was just okay but um he did uh i think it's tiger chin um him scott atkins and tony jaw did a film triple threat i don't know if you saw that oh yeah 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 um 
I might have watched that with you. Oh, I forgot that Garrett. Uh, Woo Assassins. Evan? Gareth Evans. Woo Assassins. That's the Woo one. Woo Assassins yeah. is the. Yeah, the the raid. That was Gareth Evans. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Marantau, I think, was the first Gareth Evans film that I saw. And if you haven't seen that one, I mean, that, that predates the raid. It's fantastic. He's in that as well. And he was in Star Wars, right? The Force Awakens. When he oh, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. He had a small bit part with that, with yeah. the other uh, guy from the raid. And I can't remember yeah, that. Yeah, the actor. Han Solo part. Yeah. Yeah, for somebody who's doing a movie podcast, we we kind of throw around, yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> and in that show he was in. <laughs> hey, it makes us more authentic. That's how everybody talks about movies. Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day. What are we, the, the experts? End, no, we're just here to express our love for a certain film, right? I mean, the whole idea is, is to talk about a movie that maybe people aren't uh, seeing a lot of. So I, I guess we should get into it and talk about Ip Man 3 from 2015. What do you think? Let's do it. Okay, so Brad, um, the whole premise, Ip Man Month, to remind everybody, these films actually did quite well from a box office standpoint internationally, but from a domestic, and by domestic, you know, United States release, none of them made enough money to kind of recoup even, I believe, what their budget cost. But what's interesting about each film, the first one did not get any kind of um, U.S. theatrical release. The second one got a small one. I think the third one got a small one too, but even internationally, each one of these films was making more and more money, right? Yeah, so just for reference, It Man won a budget of $11 million. These are all U.S. dollars. Uh, box office return is $22. Mm-hmm. Uh, it Man 2 is $13 million, and then it pretty much doubles the first one's box office at almost $50 million. And then this is where things get a little bit crazy. A thirty-six million dollar budget for number three makes a hundred and fifty-seven million dollars during cow. its box office run. Um, yeah, even in the United States, it makes two point six million. Um, its second week, it actually opens opens in like a hundred and three theaters, then expands to one fifteen. Um, it makes almost like you know two million dollars in the first two weekends. Um, so, I mean, it has a nice little U.S. run for being only in like 11 or 115 theaters. Um, yeah, it does gangbusters internationally. Um, anyone want to take a stab at how much this film made in China? Oh, my gosh. I, I have no clue. I mean, at, at this point, you have, you're number three in the series. You are um, extremely successful. Donnie Yen did not, if I remember correctly, did not necessarily want to come back and do anything after It Man 2, but everybody was kind of pressuring him to do a third one, and even in a lot of interviews, um, for anybody who has uh, the Blu-ray or you know the DVD and watches special features, I think you know even Donnie says when he, when he comes over to the States, everybody calls him IP Man rather than It Man, <laughs> and they, they don't recognize him as Donnie Yen, they recognize him as you know It Man, so... How how did this do in the homeland? Uh, well, in China, in the mainland, makes yeah. 124 million dollars, um, and then in Hong Kong itself, almost makes an additional eight million dollars. So you're looking at 132, just in you know those two areas. So it does gangbusters? I mean, that's it, really so good. that you can understand why they were pushing to make a third one because I guess they kind of felt that momentum of hey, the first one was you know kind of. Nice and quaint. The second one, we basically doubled what we made the first time, and then now we've tripled what we made 
um, from the second to the third. Um, that train doesn't go on to the fourth, but the fourth is makes quite a bit of money too. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty impressive numbers. Well, um, you, you know could, what's more impressive is to make that kind of money in a country that's notorious for piracy. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. And a we lot talked of people... about the second one had a piracy problem. Yeah. Um. And so they were able to kind of avoid it this time. Um. Yeah. So it comes out, um, in Hong Kong on December sixteenth of two thousand fifteen, and then they don't wait as long this time for the U.S. release. Comes out January twenty second of twenty sixteen. So, um, in the U.S., It Man Two comes out, and it's like seven months later when it comes right. out in the U.S. This one is almost just weeks. Um. So, yeah, and you can see why they're, you know, trying to make that money and it does quite well in the U.S. for its release. So when it was released, uh, what <laughs> what was it up against at the time that it came Actually, out in the theaters? Now, so we always I feel like we always talk about films that come out in January um, for some reason. And we're always like, yeah, they're dumping ground. This one is OK. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 3. Oh. which. You I know. love Kung Fu Panda 3. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> that 13 Hours movie, the... The Benghazi uh, one? Yep. Secret Soul, the Benghazi movie. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Butter Emails movie. Um, the Fifth Wave. Um, a horror movie I really like, The Boy. I think that movie is insane. But oh, that has uh, the uh, girl, Maggie, from The Walking, from Dead. The Walking yep. Dead, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, Dirty Grandpa. Bobby De Niro. Oh. Robert De Niro and Zac Efron. Yeah. Uh, the Forest with... Um, was that a horror Ga- film? Yeah, that was Game from Natalie Thrones, Dormer. Yeah. Isn't that movie? Yeah. Would, um, th- that wasn't the one that was uh, filmed in Japan, was it? Yeah, this is like the Suicide yeah, yeah, Forest. Yeah, yeah. That, I like that film too. I dig that. Yeah. Um, Manchester by the Sea, if you need a really good cry. Oh, yeah. That's, um, that's uplifting. Yeah, and that Rob Zombie movie yeah. 31. <laughs> Terrible film. <laughs> yeah. Um, Swiss Army Man, which is, yeah, I, I like that movie. Um, I might be the only one. I don't know. I, I haven't watched it yet. And uh, that's about it. So you get a few movies in there for AKA The Dumping Ground. But not, not a lot of action films, though, right? No, no. Usually when we have an It Man movie, we have Jason Statham in there, too. But he's not, this not making an appearance. Oh, man. Yep. Um, um, also, this one, just as a aside. So, reminder, It Man 1 comes in at Rotten Tomatoes at 85%. It Man 2 comes in at 96%. This one is, the so far, the least uh, favorable It Man movie at 76%. Ooh, that's so, a significant drop from the second one. Yeah, yeah. So um, I I know we talked about. For do you agree with like those Rotten Tomato scores for the first and second one? I like so we talked about this. I like the second one more than the first one. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Um. And because I know I kind of gave you a hard time last time, Troy. <laughs> that I I was like, wait, you like the second one more than the first one? And then I went back and kind of thought about it, and I was like, yeah, Troy's right. So yes. So I I don't think. Yeah, I, you know, you know maybe. what I love. I, I we now have this on audio. You telling you saying the words Troy's right. I know. I'm, I'm just, just gonna cut I'm that gonna audio, cut it and out, just, and loop yeah. it. And just li- yeah, if I'm having yeah. a bad day, that's all I'm gonna listen to. So anyway, 
I think that's the new intro. Yeah, right Troy was right. Um, so yeah, but I don't think uh, this the drop is that significant between two and three. But you know, we'll get to that. So Brett, um, I mean, I, I know the raid, the raid two. Though those are the holy grails for you. But are you a Donnie Yen fan in general? I love Donnie Yen. Yeah, love Donnie okay. Yen. In fact. I think the first time that I got into these Ip Man, the, the, I guess with the trilogy maybe before the fourth had come out, I had texted you right after I stumbled, stumbled on it, didn't know a whole lot about the, the origin, the actual Ip Man. And so when I watched the film, I remember texting you like, this guy's a star. I, I didn't know a whole oh, yeah. lot about him, but everything that he did on screen, I loved. So I think I got one night, I think I watched one, two, and three the first time around. And um, I that's a solid night. Yeah, I, I think Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. And, and we'll get into I, I think two is the best film. We'll get into three, obviously, and my, my thoughts. Um, <laughs> well, I so I have to ask you for for Donnie. I uh, Brad says I undersold this one, but have you seen Flashpoint? Yeah, I think you told me to watch it. In fact, oh my god, okay. I just I want to make sure anybody t- we talk about Donnie Yen, I've got to make sure okay. they watch Flashpoint. There you go, guys. If you um, haven't seen Flashpoint, it was yes, it was awesome. I need to go back and revisit it, but I remember thinking, "This is badass. This is awesome." So, It Man Three, um, it it brings back Wilson Yip again as the director. So he's directed the first two. Um, the writers, obviously, we you know it's it's not credited, but we do have the Chinese government out there, right? Um, but on top of that, we still bring back the writers from Ip Man 1, 2, um, which is Ty Lee Chan and Edmund Wong. However, what is different about this film is we have a new screenwriter, and it is Lai Yin Lung. Um, it is a female screenwriter. That's important, I think, for this film because they finally bring somebody um, that might yield a little bit more perspective to one of the relationships going on in the film. But... Um, for listeners or anybody familiar with this film, I don't want you to think that this was a screenwriter that was put in just to kind of punch up maybe some relationship dialogue or something else. Um, this particular screenwriter is actually very good at writing action screenplays. She's done Kill Zone 2, which is fantastic, um, Paradox, which is another fantastic film. And then if you want a good Chinese horror film, she also was one of the screenwriters for Rigor Mortis. And I I think that might be streaming in a couple of places. You have to check that one out. Okay. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. It's 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 another take on, I believe, the Chinese vampire um, mythos, <laughs> um, but it's it's not uh, played for comedy. Um, it has some great action sequences, and it's very creepy too. So, rigor mortis, definitely check that one out. But what's different about this film is um, Wilson Yip is the same director. You have two of the you know same screenwriters, but they do bring in a third person. Um, and it does, I think, and we'll get into this when we talk about the film, it does change the dynamic of, of the movie, right? Uh, and the thing that maybe we complained about, or I know I complained about in the first uh, two Ip Mans is, you know, not enough between Ip Man and his wife. Yeah, the wife character is yeah, wasted and, and I, the first two. I'll show my hand on this one. It's the one thing I really liked about this film. Um, they really bring that to the forefront. So the cast, we have Donnie Yen as Ip Man. Uh, Lin Zhong as Chung Wing Sing, okay? Um, Jin Zhang as Chung Tin Chi. Now, he also goes by Max Zhang, and we'll talk about him here when we get to Master Z. 
here is some stunt casting, right? Mike Tyson oh. as Frank. Okay. He's, oh. he's the Western devil. <laughs> Remember when I was talking about how bad the boxing is in number two? Oh. Yes. When you see boxing like in this one, that's why it's night and day. Oh, oh yes. When we get into that one, I, I, I definitely want to talk about that. Um, we get Kent Chang as Fatso. Um, again, he comes back from Ip Man 2. And uh, Patrick Tam as uh, Ma King Sing. The other big change for this, and this is where I do want to spend a little time to kind of get your guys' background. So Sam Hung had done an amazing job in the action choreography for Ip Man 1 and 2. Um, and Ip Man 2 just has some of the best action choreography, I, I think, in the last decade. But for Ip Man 3, they go a different course, right? So for Ip Man 3, they bring in Yun Wu Ping. So he is credited as the main action um, choreographer, uncredited. So if you read a lot about this film and you go back and watch a lot of press interviews, both um, Donnie and Yoon um, do talk about, uh, and, and it's it's even in some of the making of, so you can see it when they're when Tyson and Donnie Yen are talking about the choreography, but Donnie Yen is actually doing a lot of the fight choreography for the Mike Tyson fight scene. Um, and specifically he's bringing in some like MMA and physics theory. So one of the things, and we'll talk about this in detail, but when you see, when you see somebody going after the lower part of the body and you see throws and stuff like that, that's Donnie Yen doing some choreography. So Yen Woping is really the major choreographer for the film, but there is a lot of Donnie Yen influence, especially in one big fight scene. And we'll talk about Yen Woping later on. Because he is the director of Master Z. Yeah, correct? but uh, yeah, let's, okay. let's get into okay. it now because I, I think it influences where these two films go. I mean, what what are your guys' experience with Yun Wu Ping? Mine is very limited. I was going through his, I mean, for a guy who I believe he's like 75, mm -hmm. um, I had really not much... Um, Experience with it, but I do know that he helped on the Matrix. Yes, I think um, I think that's where his name and Kill came Bill. Um, so I know those were like the ones that I obviously recognize. Um, and there was another one. Oh, Crouching Tiger. Yes, yes. no, that's Brett. So, I mean, is that, that that's your yeah experience? That's with him? about the extent of my knowledge with them. Um, but again, this is an area that I sort of defer to to for the background definitely defer to to you troy and um but yeah let's 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 get into it let's i'm interested to hear what you guys think so yeah yun ping just just to give you an idea of how good he is as a choreographer um we talked about the hong kong film awards so think of those as like the asian academy awards um specifically for hong kong films so through yun ping's career He's actually worked with Donnie Yen before, and specifically, and we talked about this when we were talking about Donnie Yen's um, filmography, uh, Once Upon a Time in China 2, so the Jet Li series, right? Yun Ping won Best Action Choreography for that film in 1993. And again... Is that like uh, the Golden Horse or something like that? Yes, Doesn't it have yeah. like a weird name? And it yeah. carries the same weight as like the Best Director. So they have a Best Director over there, but they also have Best Action Choreographer because... Again, one of the big differences between, you know, American-made films with stunt choreography versus, you know, Hong Kong films with stunt choreography, when you get a, an action scene, the action choreographer is running everything, right? Um, and, and the director kind of takes a little bit of a backseat to let 
the action choreographer, you know, not only do the choreography, but they um, partake heavily within the filming. Um, but Yun Wo Ping has won this award a few times. He's won it for Once Upon a Time in China 2. He won it for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2001. And he won it for Kung Fu Hustle, the mm-hmm. Stephen Chow film oh, yeah. in 2005. I feel like and- that, that movie comes up literally every episode for some strange reason. <laughs> well, it's a fantastic movie, I man. Know. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to watch Kung Fu Hustle, right? Um, and then he also won it in 2007 for another Jet Li film called Fearless, which, again, wow. is an amazing film. Mm-hmm. As a director, and I, he's got a great filmography, but um, if, if you want to go back and discover Yun Wu Ping as a director, definitely check out Drunken Master in 1978 with Jackie Chan. He was the director for that. It's just a iconic film in terms of late 70s kung fu, right? Magnificent Butcher in 1979, another phenomenal film. Tiger Cage in 1988, um, which is a fantastic sort of um, modern-day kung fu film with cops and robbers. In the Line of Duty 4, which is one of Donnie Yen's best late 80s films in 1989. Um, He also worked with Donnie Yen in 1993 on Iron Monkey, which was the film that um, was was released in the U.S. cinemas, you know, under the banner of Quentin Tarantino Presents. Mm -hmm. He also worked with Michelle Yeoh and Jet Li on Tai Chi Master in 1993. Um, Brad, we talked about this film when we were doing a podcast, what, a decade ago? True True Legend. Legend. Yes, 2010. Um, And then obviously the movie that we're going to talk about after it, Man 3, which is Master Z. Now for action choreographer. So that's director. As action choreographer, he's done Fist of Legend from 1994. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that with Jet Li. That's probably yes. my favorite Jet Li film. Um, it's it's so good. You're lo- in Brad. Nobody can see this, but you're looking at me funny. Why are you looking at me funny? <laughs> no, I was just trying to think what my favorite Jet Li film would be. What's your favorite Jet Li film? I don't know. My favorite Hong Kong film is Fist of Legend. My favorite probably American film is Kiss of the Dragon. Is Hero a bad choice? No, oh, Hero's great. Okay. Hero's fantastic. It's, it's amazing. Okay. But it's not like Fist of So he was the action choreographer on Black Mask uh, with Jet Li, which actually got a, um American release over here dubbed. He was the action choreographer in Lethal Weapon 4 in 1998. Yeah. My problem with Lethal Weapon 4 is Riggs and Murtaugh should have died at the end. I mean, when you see Jet Li <laughs> pissed off standing at a dock... Um, your immediate reaction should be walk away. When you get in a fight with him, those two weren't going to beat him. I, I don't care. But, you know, if you watch Lethal Weapon 4, just stop it there, and it's a good movie, right? Um, you talked about this, Brad and Brett, The Matrix, 1999. I, I think that's really where his name got international stardom um, because everybody was talking about the choreography in The Matrix. And, you know, he As was it should, right? So. Yeah. Uh, he also did Cradle to the Grave in 2003. DMX. GMX and Jet Li, right? Wait, can yeah. I take my back my favorite Jet Li film and say it's Cradle to the Grave? You, it's a great movie. I love it. Yeah. Um, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, 2003-2004. Um, he's worked with Jet Li quite a bit. Do you remember um, Danny the Dog, a.k.a. It was called Unleashed over here with Morgan Freeman? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where yes. he's sort of raised as a pit fighter yeah, and then yes. they eventually rescue yep. him and everything. Um. And he was also the choreographer on a film. I, a lot of people kind of crap over this, but I, I really like it. The Forbidden Kingdom in 2008, which was the Jackie Chan Jet Li collaboration that they did. 
Um, he's also an actor. So he was in Eastern Condors in 1987. So that's the Samuel Hung film we kind of talked about last episode that was a war film. Um, Wicked City, 1992. I don't know how, uh, Brad, I know you like Japanese manga. Um, Wicked City is a Japanimation film. There was a Hong Kong live action remake of it. Oh. It is totally bonkers. It's okay. from 92. You got to check that out. There's actually a new Blu-ray of that that you can find um, on the international market. It's really good. The Grandmaster in 2013, he was an actor. He was also an actor in, and I can't remember if this was Keanu Reeves' directing debut, but remember 2013's Man of Tai Chi with Taika mm-hmm. Chen? Yes. Yes, yes. He yes. has a small bit part in that as well. Wow. And that is his directorial debut, by the way. Okay, yeah, it's yes. uh, it's another good film. Oh, uh, is Eco Uwes is in that too for a bit at I the enjoyed end. Enjoyed man, I enjoyed man inside you. Yes, he is in that as well. Okay, look, we're just coming full circle. We are. It's that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Yun Wu Ping is interesting because um, I think if you were to, he's he's got a very unique style. It's extremely different than Sammo Hung, and not just his directing and action choreography. Um, but it always has a tinge of um, wuxia in it. Um, so you get a lot of wire foo. It's a lot more wire foo, yeah. It is. Um, and I, again, it's a different style, right? And it's very interesting to kind of choose him, I think, as an action choreographer for a film that um, kind of concentrates on Wing Chun specifically, especially if you go back and, and look at that. But. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm really ready to dive into this one because it's 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 a unique departure from the first two films. Are you, you want to get into the, your thoughts on it? I would love to. I have I have some notes. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, well, I want to start, Brett. So I think it's interesting. You said the first time you watched this, you watched It Man One, It Man Two, and It Man Three. Was and that night. all in the same night? Yes. Okay. Um, God, how was no kids that? <laughs> great? Yeah, how was that experience? I mean, transitioning from one to two to three did did it all flow well? Part, or um... parts of it worked. Part and, and this is just specifically at Man Three. Like I said, I think the second one. Now the the watching those three, that was a long time ago. So I'd have to sit down and watch. But the second one, I remember being my favorite, and I remember the third one having a drastically different style. I mean, you could tell um, just in some of the, in the, well, let me go back. My, my favorite, I think scene in the third one is doesn't involve any of the wire food at all. It's the elevator scene. I think that's, I think that's, brilliant. Oh my gosh. Yes. That first of all, serious Gosling drive vibes. When I watched that, yes. I expected him to turn around, <laughs> yeah. kiss her and then stomp the guy's brains in. Yeah. Stop the guy's no, head. Yeah. But and I again I don't want to jump ahead of myself in the conversation, but I thought maybe this time around it would work better. This the stuff with Tyson just doesn't work for me. I don't I don't know what it doesn't work for me. And it I, I've tried to sort of give it the benefit of the doubt, knowing um like you said, the stunt casting, um like Tyson throws great punches. It's just the, it, that whole really the whole storyline doesn't work because it's just sort of here gone and it, i'll get into this later 
I think it almost would have worked better if we had just focused on Max Zhang's character as kind of like a winter soldier anti-hero slash villain. I'm doing this for my kid and money and but I just talked a lot in that little segment. So I that sort of answered your question. Or at least no, gives does. us something I mean, to I, talk I, about to start. I, sort of a... It it is. I mean it it's a significant departure, I think, from storytelling from the first two Ip Man films. And I don't think it's totally its fault though. And I'll and here's why. Ip Man One comes out and it's in in think of the story arc, right? First part of the movie is we're Kung Fu masters are fighting. And then here are the people come from the north and they're fighting with the South, et cetera, and Ip Man steps in and you know, South prevails. So the first half of the film is very much about, you know, the the schools and their rivalry. Then it shifts and you get into Japanese occupation and, and all of a sudden you're like, up oh, foreign devils, Japanese occupation, it's Ip Man against the outsiders. Ip Man 2, setting up a martial arts school in Hong Kong, the same storyline. First half of the film, he's battling all the masters, trying to establish himself. Then boom, right in the middle, turns into Rocky Four, um, but instead of the Japanese, you know, Sammo Hung dies, and then all of a sudden it's Ip Man against an outsider. Third one comes along, and it has an entirely different story structure. So you're very comfortable with one and two, and you go, and if you watch them back to back, it would almost feel like um, two. Kind of feels like a remake of one. I know it's not, but you get to three, and here. Here's what I love about three right out of the gate in Ip Man one and two, you end the film like, Hey guys, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but yeah. Ip Man taught Bruce Lee. <laughs> Bruce Lee. <laughs> Ip Man three kind of comes out. It's like, all right, we're just going to start with this Bruce Lee crap and get it out of the way. So we can get to the rest of the movie. So that by itself means it's just going to have a different story arc. Yeah. So I would consider the third one a little jarring, especially if you're watching the first sure. two back to back. Cause it's just a different story. Brad, you're shaking your head. <laughs> The story is a mess. You're being too nice. The story is a mess. There's so many dropped plot lines in this movie. It's unbelievable. It's doesn't work on a lot of levels. Story wise, action wise, still fantastic. Uh, but the strings that kind of keep the, the plot going, um, seem to be dropped left and right. It's like they, like Brett was talking about the elevator scene. Perfect example. He fights that guy who's Thai, I guess, you know, yeah. Some TIE fighter. Yeah. Where's he go? Like what happens to him after the fight? He just walks out. He's like, bye movie. And then he's gone. Uh, well, he, Mike was, Tyson. he was sent by Frankie. Okay. But I, I yeah. get that. But then like Mike Tyson, they go for three minutes and it man walks out and it's like Mike Tyson, bye movie. Like, I guess Mike Tyson was only on set for like a day and a half and that's all he had him for. So well, he, no, he, had, he had the three minute thing. So, um, fun, fun fact about that. It was, you know, boxing around yeah, is what, three, three minutes. Yep. So it, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about Mike Tyson being in a ring with three minutes with Mike Tyson for three minutes, if you survive those three minutes, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, there that, was, that guy's a monster. There's fights right? where Tyson beats a guy up in 30 seconds. Yeah. It, it's crazy. So, um, the whole point of that, and we'll kind of go through a dissection of each scene. The whole point of that is. You survive three minutes, and I'll I'll let you go. Right? He even tell, and it <laughs> clunkily. It's very clunky. Clunkily is that a word? I don't know. It's very. Clunky. It is now. 
Okay, it's clunkily is a word. Um, it's handled in a in a poor uh, delivery. But when you know his daughter loses the balloon, and Ip Man's walking out, and Tyson's like, "Don't worry about it. We're just gonna let that go, and we'll find something else." I mean, that's supposed I, to be his yeah, dialogue I, as an exit. That Ip Man, you know, went toe to toe for him for three minutes. That was the deal. You survived three minutes. I'm gonna leave you alone, right? <laughs> I get it. I don't need the metaphor, like you know, <laughs> written out. But I, I just see. I'm gonna debate, I'm gonna debate this with you guys because here's here's the thing. So. Each one of these Ip Man films, the the third one is clunky, and there's some plot lines that never go anywhere. I exactly. get that. Yes. The first and second one have the same problems to a certain degree. It changes. It. Now, it's, I would say, no, I, I would defend it. It's not as abrupt as the other two, um, because the other two just shift, especially the first one. You're going from like a traditional martial arts school, and then boom, you get into some nationalistic, get the Japanese out of here, right? Yeah. Um, and in the second one, it it goes right into Rocky Four. Um, this one, the one thing it does right. Now, like I said, none of the Ip Man films from a screen. Do not look at these films and learn how to to screenwrite. <laughs> this is not going to teach you screenwriting 101, right? <laughs> so, but the one thing they get right is the Chung character. He's interested he's introduced in the beginning. And um Brett, how did you he he's kinda like the anti Ip Man, I think is what you said, or just sort of the No, he's yeah. the winter soldier, exactly. The winter soldier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that analogy. So he's in the shadow of Ip Man and, and is always in the shadow. And that storyline is introduced in the beginning. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And it's there throughout the whole thing. And actually becomes the main focal point towards the end of the film. That's the one storyline they got right. And it works really well. A thousand percent agree on that. I just kind of wish there was more of that. Um, because I'd like that storyline better than what's actually going on in the forefront. Um, as that plotline is kind of baking in the background. Um, I understand there's a purpose for that because you kind of want to have him off to the side. And then he's kind of revealed this, not the big bad, but you know, he, he, he wants to take on Itman at the very end. Um, I don't know. I just kind of wish he was in the film more, um, and he and Itman were able to kind of go tête-à-tête a little bit more, um, because that's obviously the most enjoyable part of the movie is the finale. Yes, by far. It's not even close. Well, but come on, Brad. Your your Chinese Hong Kong co-production rule number one. You have to have a plot line about the foreign devils. I know the foreign devils has got to be bad. I, I get it. I get yes, it. it's got to be in there. Us white people are really bad. <laughs> yes, it turns out. It's turns well, it's out not some about white people. It's about you're not Chinese. When you're not Chinese, you're bad. Okay. Yeah. I, it's, it's just it's part of it's part of the Ip Man films. I know. It, I think. Hey, little little <laughs> foreshadowing. It gets worse in four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the fights. So the other thing I find interesting about this is there's about seven or eight crucial fight scenes in Ip Man one and two, but, but they're true. Uh, how do you say like action choreographed fight scenes? Ip Man three takes a little bit before you get going. Um, the very first one that starts is Bruce Lee showing up and it's kind of Bruce versus a pack of cigarettes, right? Yeah, that that and that's not really a. Exactly. I, I Is that a an anti-smoking scene. campaign? Because Could I don't be. see it, man. Smoke anymore after that. 
you you do get that whole you know bruce lee's famous be like water water and yeah it man throws that out there then um the next thing that pops up you you get the little kids kind of throwing down showing their wing chun whose dad's you know the best it's a couple couple seconds that's over but i would say the the next glimpse of action you get is um chung doing some pit fighting right but it it's throw punches he wins easily you're out then you think it man shows up at the school principal's office and you're going to get this throw down probably a couple of minutes of an action choreography it's it's over instantly yeah he just takes everybody out and i don't know how long you're into the film at this point but it it's almost like poking you a little bit and going oh it, no not yet little tease no yeah not yet and the first major fight sequence that's choreographed you get is Ip Man and Chung defend the school, right? So that's when um, the gang comes up because they're trying to get rid of the school because Mike Tyson wants to buy the property. So they're trying to burn everything down. Um, and um, I don't know. What would you guys think about that one? No, I mean, the, the action that we get in this movie, once it starts going, is still phenomenal. Again, it's a whole different style. Um, I feel like it's, is it sped up a little bit too? It feels a little bit not as fluid as one and two. Maybe that's just my perception because I don't know. It just feels a little bit mm-hmm. overclocked, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, I think it's that undercranking we talked about yeah. where, where you kind of film a little bit of a slow motion or you speed it up. One of yeah. those two things. It could be yeah. either or. Um, but I think it's the introduction because uh, in every Ip Man film, if you're going to jump, you're not going to jump. You're going to be assisted gonna, by a wire. You're going to fly. <laughs> you're going to fly a little bit. Um, and uh, that is the introduction of the wire foo is within that sequence. And Donnie Yen is running down, you know, the um, stairs, but not so much on the stairs, but the railing of the stairs has a, has a whole action sequence. But it really is a good display of Wing Chung between both of them taking out those guys. And there are some brutal hits in there. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but it, it's the first major action sequences that comes out. Everything else is a little bit of tease. And even after that one, Chung takes out Master Ten, right? Um, because he's he's been discovered as somebody who has talent. And when um, I think it's Kit, uh, make sure I get the villains all. Yes, yeah, it Kit. Sing? No, I, I think it's. Um, yeah, it's it's Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, Tyson, Mike Tyson's <laughs> lackey, right? Uh, oh, tells yeah. him, you know, go out and and take care of this. So they they take care of the master. Uh, Actually, and, I think isn't Kit the bad guy in Z? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think it's Sang is the bad guy in this one. Yes, or Sing that's, because that's he it. shows up in in Master Z too, I believe. I think so. Yeah, and that leads us to. I would say the second major fight sequence, which is the shipyard fight. Great, so, Great fighting. Um, I thought it was okay. 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 It, <laughs> wow. Just, it was. Troy it was doesn't like right. nice things. <laughs> no, no, it was. It was good. I don't think it. Um, it wowed me. I'll tell you what I learned from that. Anytime I'm climbing something and being chased. As soon as the person starts climbing it, I'm just going to start breaking the railing under their feet. That's awesome. They do it in every movie. <laughs> yeah. It's great. You just kick out the 
How about you just don't <laughs> climb things? Because it always ends badly. Yeah. There's some good falls. I, I don't know if it's the wire-assisted falls that take a little bit of the, I don't know, the impact out of, the out of you know, the breakage that goes on. I do like that sequence where he's in, I think, the boat that's being built. Yeah. And you get yeah. some good. I think my problem with that action scene is the choreography is good but I'm not as impressed with the camera movement or angles of some of the things within it. It, It's very stagey. Like, yeah. It's the camera's pulled back a little bit. It is that, that, that camera. And I, I don't, I don't want to say there's too many edits, but it feels very Hollywood in terms of its style of editing. Um, the camera's pulled back and I don't think there's anything interesting. Like I would be the first to say all the way up to the shipyard fight there's good action in it. it. It's good, solid Yun Wuping action, but it's not going to. You're not going to go and say, "Oh my God, that was fantastic." Think about Ip Man two when you get to the fish market sequence, and then even the action on the table between him and Sammo Hung. It's original. It's arresting. Um, it's it's visceral in terms of how it goes on in terms of its choreography. This one, even though it's big in scale and it's it man versus like a hundred guys and Chung is taking on the guys on the platform, there's there's nothing about it that just seems like, oh my gosh, it's it's just groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, pedestrian. Like I, I wouldn't I would go that far. Wow, pedestrian. That might be a little bit of a yeah. of a slight. Brad and yeah. I are agreeing a lot. Troy. I'm dissenting here. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Guess you're wrong. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, I, I, was there was there a particular was there a particular combination sequence or? No, anything I just think it's cool that they're like we have both of them going at the same time, you know. And there's like it's kind of like that Star Wars effect where you have you know the ground battle and the battle in the uh, in space, and then there's always like a Jedi battle going on. So it's always kind of like all three of them just kind of happening at once. Um, I kind of got that sort of out of this deal because you have, um, you have. It man and then was it Chin Chung. as well? Chung, yeah. So yeah. you know, I like that. And it, I don't know. It was just <laughs> true. I don't know. They're kicking people in the face. I don't know what else you want. Well, I, okay. So let me ask you this. So you get a hundred guys going against It Man Chung, and it's pop him in the face. Boom! Throw this guy. Da da da. It's think about that sequence versus a one on one. Or even Ip Man versus the Ten Soldiers. I mean, do you not feel that there is a difference in terms uh, no, of absolutely, the absolutely? I, I mean, anytime you have something as large of a scale as that, I think you're definitely going to lose some of that impact that you would get, like in, in any one-on-one, even one-on-ten. But I, I kind of agree with Brad. I like the the different levels in that fight scene. I thought were awesome I, I love the, the inside the ship that was being built i thought once they got into the warehouse and his kid was up on that platform i thought that was really cool um obviously a lot more wire foo in that but i thought it worked I, I thought them climbing and i think there were some blades brandished in there so i thought that was kind of cool um yeah i i really I mean, liked it but go ahead brad yeah i mean you're 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 right i mean i you always kind of have to kind of throw out a lot of logic when there's a hundred guys against two guys. Cause it's like, okay, they're all going to attack one at a time really nicely. And it's going to be, you know, or at most like five at a time, but it's never all at once. And 
you know, and it's always a little bit more of a mess than like an intimate, you know, one-on-one or, you know, one-on-three or something like that. So I understand that. I just, sometimes the scale is nice too, um, you know, because the shipyard kind of, re, yeah, I guess you could, it's not as good as the, what is it in the second one? with The fish the, market. Uh, the fish market. Yeah, it's not as good as that, but I still enjoy it. Yeah, well, and again, I think it's because I, I think, think the fish okay. market and then on to that table fight is like the best twenty minutes in the series so far. Uh, it it is, and I, I'll say that like the fish market, may, maybe the difference is um, the use of surroundings in terms of the fight style. Yes, um, and and I'll give you a good example in the fish market scene you've got his student who has his hands tied behind his back and he's, he's trying to save a student while take on all these guys and they're using their surrounding as much as they're kicking people in the face. And it, and again, if you show me an hour and a half of somebody kicking somebody in the face and it looks great, I'm, I'm a happy camper, but I'll, I'll give you an example of his student doing almost that, um, they throw the pallet on the one guy's back and his student rolls on the top of that pallet to get out of the mess that's going on with three or four other guys. That little sequence in and of itself is original. Um, it's very kinetic. It moves and it, it's a great shot. And there's and they start to get there when they get into the boat that's being worked on, right? Or built mm-hmm. from the inside. You get a little bit of him using that environment in an original and playful way when he's taking on all these guys. And I love that sequence of it. But everything leading up to that sequence and even everything leading out to that, I mean, his son is there. And I felt um, more danger in two with his student than I did yeah. with his son, if that makes any sense. <laughs> you know they're not going to kill the kid. Yeah. I know, but <laughs> it's still just the way they framed it and everything else. It, I, I, you know, the fish market and the shipyard scene are kind of meant to um, be almost the same yeah. sequence, but one is clearly better than the other. I think I, I agree with that. But after that one, I think the film just totally, I, I'll say it here, totally puts the rest of Ip Man one and two to shame in terms of action choreography. Because you then get to Ip Man versus um, the Thai assassin. You get this elevator fight sequence, this hallway, which has an amazing overhead shot as they're fighting and going down the steps. Down the stairs, yeah. The music is fantastic. It makes it so emotionally powerful. That whole sequence, all of a sudden, you feel like you're in a different movie in terms of quality of action because that to me just kicks off the rest of the film in terms of oh now we're into you know yun wu ping true yun wu ping territory in terms of choreography and it and it's refreshing and it's exciting yeah when i saw the budget of this film was 36 million dollars i think i was like okay this scene right here cost a lot of money to do because you could tell it was complex and it took time and you could definitely tell they spent a lot of time and money on this sequence right here. And it is I wow, movie. It's pretty awesome. Even though the guy just disappears right afterwards. <laughs> you forget the plot for a second. Exit stage left. I mean, Frankie sends him after it, man, it. But forget, forget about the plot for a second, but that sequence, it is fantastic. 
Like if I were going back and watching Man, in Man Three, I would I would watch that sequence. Yeah, over you and started over. at that scene and then go forward. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, and, and it, to up to that point, you had seen it, man, fight, but he still wasn't um, from an emotional standpoint. He kind of knew, you know, his son had been captured, so obviously he went after his son's kidnappers. Well, at that scene, you're kind of you're you're fully involved with this. He and his wife, and so the emotional resonance with between the two of them in that elevator is great. So you can tell now. And when he, when he closes the door and presses her and pushes the button, so she's going down and he turns and looks at the, the oh, assassin. Yeah. Oh, oh, the look he gives him, you're just like, okay, now this is it, man. Now. And then I think there's a, a, a slow-mo shot to start. Oh it. yeah. And it's just like, like you said, the, the goosebumps that I got, when they when then he, they start fighting down the hall, amazing. And that that was my favorite, really my favorite scene in that entire movie. It's it almost feels like when you're watching It Man Three, you get past the shipyard scene. It very much feels like uh, Tylee Chan, Edmund Wong, who wrote the first two, they definitely got their hands all over this in that film. I and I don't know the whole process or creation process for this film. But I really feel like Lai Yun Lung, who is the the third screenwriter that they brought in for this film, I feel like her presence is known as a screenwriter from about the sequences when, you know, his wife becomes ill. And even in the action choreography going forward from that point, I, I feel like it's a different film. Like it 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 finally finds its identity and all of a sudden it's just it's an amazing film from that point like up until that point it, it's a good film i think but you get into that um elevator sequence and and sort of the news uh, about his wife and like you said brett i mean it i get goosebumps when i watch that thing like i i'm i'm not only invested in the punches that are being thrown is i feel it right and and i, I oh it's good it's so good that leads to um well, it's so in every Ip Man film, you have this transition, right? And so you're about ready to transition from the foreign devil is the bad guy to like the, you know, the other villain. Because they, they usually have two villains, right? But when you get done with um, Ip Man taking out the Thai assassin, you now get to what is, you know, you watch any trailer about Ip Man 3, it's about this fight between Donnie Yen and Mike Tyson. And you get to that fight sequence. So I got to ask you guys, Brad, I'm going to start with you because you really hated that boxing sequence in two. How, how did this go? This one is at least Mike Tyson is boxing in this one. Um, he is doing like this weird, like Bob and weave walk up to Donnie, which is just weird. <laughs> like if you ever watch Tyson box, like, you know, he's kind of got that hunched over approach and he's very menacing. <laughs> The bobbing and weaving thing was just really weird, and I don't know why he did it. But at least, like, his punches are – I mean, how many hooks does he throw? Like, hardly any because he's just jabbing and then going to the body and stuff like that. So it's very authentic. And I don't know, though, it's just kind of distracting because you're like, this is Mike Tyson. Like, it's just <laughs> – I don't know. It's it's It looks good and stuff, but it's distracting because it's Mike Tyson. Um, and, you know, he's got the tattoo on his face and – you know, now you see Mike Tyson on Instagram and stuff and you're like, oh, this guy is still, you know, as good as a boxer as he's ever been. And as of this recording right now, he's supposed to fight again at some point in time. But um, anyway, 
it's much better. It's much more real boxing than in the second one where the guy unfortunately was not a trained boxer and it showed, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's Tyson, man. It's, it's, it's cool. So, but I have a question, Troy, do we know why was Tyson just put in here to kind of give that American appeal? Um, because I, I couldn't find anything why they cast him in this movie. And I didn't know if you knew or if there was in the commentary or anything like that. Why is Mike Tyson in this movie? You know, apparently Donnie and Mike knew each other before the filming, like through uh, general acquaintances. Oh. So, at, at, you know, again, when you're when you're writing a screenplay and Donnie N is trying to, you know, th- think about it this way. Donnie N after it, man, two is like it's done. Right. We're good. Everybody's trying to get him back for it, man. Three. There's got to be a catch. There's got to be something to it. Um, and, even, you know, we'll talk about this probably a lot next week when we get to it, man, four. But when they see how well it, man, two is received internationally because you remember one was kind of made for the local audience for more or less right it man two starts to get international play and then if you're going to go global with this franchise and do three yeah you you want to bring in somebody outside of that film market um that you know they can sell this thing you know worldwide right so you're talking about an action sequence. You get Mike Tyson in there. Heck, all you got to do is go to the distributors and go, I got a movie where Donnie N fights Mike Tyson. Everybody's yeah. like, well, yeah, I'll pick it, it up. It just feels like they're kind of going back to the well a little too much with the boxing thing again. It is, but I mean, Donnie N. It's better. It, well, you got to you gotta understand Donnie N, like he he grew up um, understanding and, and learning, you know, Tai Chi. But if you look at, uh, we just talked about Flashpoint, you know, in my opinion, his, his best film, Donnie Yen understands MMA. He understands boxing. He is very much good at taking other martial arts styles and skills and incorporating them into the film. Um, and even if you watch, um, like go back and watch a Japanese film, I think it's called the princess blade where he's the action choreographer on it. That movie is fantastic in terms of action choreography, but that's because Donnie Yen knows a little bit about everything in my opinion. Um, and he does a fantastic job of just creating this new um, version of kicking people in the face. And it and it's just so unique in that he he's borrowing styles from every form that's out there, right? So he's a traditionalist. He grew up a traditionalist. But if you look at, you know, um, anything that he's done uh, in terms of his current output, like Kung Fu Killer and stuff like that, he's always incorporating boxing and MMA styles within his traditional martial arts. And that's what makes that fight scene so unique is, you know, when he goes up against him, there's Wing Chun in there, but there's a turning point in the fight where he kind of figures out, hey, I can't use traditional Wing Chun um, against a guy who is boxing me. Um, and he starts attacking the lower body. Well, that that's MMA physics and everything else, right? So he yeah. he's incorporating that within the action choreography. And mm-hmm. I, I got to say my favorite, I love how quick Tyson is. That whole breaking the window sequence. Yeah, it's cool. Just, oh, man, that thing is awesome. But it, it, I think it's a fantastic – I mean, Mike Tyson, when he talks, that just takes me out of everything. I'm just, oof, no. But So he speaks he start, his own Cantonese in this movie, right? Like that's Yeah, him? and yeah. If, if, go back and watch uh, – you, I think it's on YouTube. I know it's on the Blu-ray, but you can find some of the press stuff that him and Donnie did together. 
and everybody's asking him like, Hey, Donnie, do you remember, or, uh, Hey Mike, do you remember any of the Cantonese you learned? And he, he's, he's like, Oh yeah, I think there was this word, this word. And Donnie helps him a couple of times, but yeah, he, he's, he learned a little bit of Cantonese for his part. Oh, that's cool. But it, I, I think it's a fantastic fight sequence. It, it is very, Oh, how do I say it? It takes you, I think it goes against the film because you're waiting, you know, it's coming. Right, and, it's nowhere and in your near head, the, you're like, yeah, okay, the when's he going to fight Mike Tyson? Yeah, and it comes in like an hour into the movie, and you're like, well, <laughs> we still got 45 minutes left, so you you know he's not the big bad because I'm fighting him at 60-minute mark gone. or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and it's truly a three-minute sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, then Mike cool. Tyson is exit stage left. <laughs> um, but again, that's that's the format of these storylines, right? You're, you're going to have two you know, kind of two stories in it. One is about the foreign devils and the other one is, is going to be this other story, um, which leads us to, you know, the, the back half of the film, Chung starts to take um, center stage within the film. Uh, there's that whole sequence where he starts taking out all of the uh, other grandmasters within the restaurant. What's he got against glass? He's like, um, he's like, like, like fighting and hitting these guys all through the glass, like slamming through all the like glass tables. And like every one of them go through a glass table at the very end. Like I noticed that this time it's like, Oh, broken table, broken table, broken table. <laughs> it almost feels like a police story. Jackie Chan reference. Like, kind of. Yeah. How much weird. glass can we break in a film? Yeah. <clears throat> Cause that comes after the Mike Tyson thing. And it's like, all that glass yeah. is broken. And then this one, it's like, it's just weird. You know, now that you're saying that, it does very much become a how much glass can we break toward the end there? Yeah. Um, so after that, we get to the grand finale. So um, I got to ask, though, leading up to that, we, we've been talking about the action choreography before we talk about the final sequence. What did you guys think? I mean, th- this film finally, outside of the other two, it starts to bring the relationship of Ip Man and his wife to the forefront. And that really, from about the midway of the film through the rest of it, that that's at the heart of this film. What did you guys, how did you react to that? I thought the wooden man part where she was like, I want to hear you train on the wooden man again was like pretty touching. Like it, it almost got me. It almost got me. I was like, wow, this is coming from this action scene. And she's asking that she wants to hear him train some more. And I was, it, it, it was like, wow, this is pretty powerful. And she does a great job. I, you know, you know, something's going to happen to her. Um, from, you know, I even hinted at it at our first episode that eventually she's going to have a clock above her head where her time runs out. Um, <laughs> she gets to number three, so I'll, I'll give it to him. But you know, it, it's kind of a bummer. Cause I think they have squandered her for the first two movies. And then her main storyline here is she's going to die of cancer, but it does kind of pull out that relationship with it man and his wife. And you actually see that he's a good husband and a good father. Um, and, and he cares for her. Cause you know, in the first two, you're like, does he even love his wife? <laughs> um, and this one, you definitely answer that question. So like I said, though, that wooden man part is, it's a, uh, it's pretty gut wrenching. So part of me wanted yeah that scene to go a different way. The scene was great. I totally agree with you, Brad, but like my action guy that you always have me on for my action expertise, quote unquote, <laughs> I kind of wanted to see her just close her eyes and die. 
as he's like just smashing that wooden man. Like he's just going after it, just like breaking it, wooden things, it wooden pegs as he's going down. And that that's how she goes. Like angry it man. But this the scene itself. That feels like a great. Michael Bay it man film. <laughs> did, I, did I say that doves would fly out? Oh yeah, there you go. Um Yeah, I I the thing after the film was over and I was thinking about notes and I wrote that scene down where the wife wants to hear him practicing, right? Be- because he he is talking about the regrets, right? And and if you if you watch the first two films, you totally get where he's coming from where he's basically saying, "Hey, I've spent all this time doing this and putting martial arts and and all of this stuff in front of the relationship." And I think she asked him about the challenge and says, Hey, if, if I wasn't sick, would you have taken that challenge? And he's, and man, it tears him up to kind of go, yeah, I, I would have. But then her response to that of saying, yeah, but that's the thing I love about you. Right. Is that that's, that's your answer. That's exactly who you are. And that leads to that line about, Hey, can I hear you practice on the Shaolin wooden man? Um, you know, the Wing Chun dummy, and I swear that is a gut punch. I mean, it's almost like Q Waterworks, you know, guys are going to tear up a little bit. They'll never admit it, but you know, well, Donnie plays it so well too. Cause oh. like he starts it and then it, it, it kind of, the moment kind of gets to him a little bit and you see him kind of clench his fist and then he kind of goes back into it again. Like he plays it really well. Um, it, so it's not just, it's the moment, but it's also the way he plays it. It's the scene that I think I realized if Donnie Yen did a film, be it comedy, drama, and there was no face kicking in it, I would be okay with that because I think he's a really good actor. Well, like I said it before, though, like in the Star Wars movie, he's really funny. Like yeah, his is. comedic timing is really good. Um, the part that always gets me is when they put the bag over his head and he <laughs> says, come on, really? Like, it's just, you know, so... Yeah, he's he's definitely talented. He definitely can act, and I think that helps a lot of these scenes that have a lot of weight, um, especially in this one. I think he has to carry a lot of these scenes because of his dying wife, and he pulls them off. Um, it helps that he can actually act because you believe a lot of this stuff. The wooden man thing could have failed miserably if you were oh, like, yeah. this guy sucks. It, it, you know, that's a good point because in most of these films, you get that in a lot of Hong Kong films, it's known for its melodrama, right? That could have been very melodramatic, but it's to Brett's point, that probably is how it would have gone in most Hong Kong films is that he's tearing up that, you know, when, and she dies right there and then cue swelling music and everything else, but it's handled with a little bit more um, gravity. It's more subtle. And, and I know that's a weird um, contradiction, but it works, right? You, mm-hmm. you feel the weight of the scene, but it's not through some grand exposition um, or you know just these this flailing around of punching something. It's him doing his workout, Donnie really selling it, and then her kind of closing her eyes and listening. I mean, it. Oh God, that. Like I said, that's the scene that convinces me every time where I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd watch Donnie in in anything pretty much. <laughs> um. Which leads to the Ip Man versus um, Chung fight at the end behind closed doors. Brett, first impressions. What What did you think of that sequence? Well, for me, it, it obviously I knew the action was going to be 
first class. But uh, you know what? To sort of touch touch on what we were just talking about with Hitman and his wife, I think you feel every emotional reason why why he is why it man why he's fighting for his son in that last fight the guy fighting it man max zang i think his reasoning is every bit as sort of i don't know um prominent because you feel like okay he's he wants to prove to his son he that he is also this this guy that that is is better than it man he's in this whole movie he sort of struggled with this and like i said at the very beginning to me my favorite part of this movie was the relationship between he and his son and i max zang and double feature i'll talk about this with the next one is phenomenal i love that guy i I wasn't overly familiar with him until it man three so to start that fight to have those that sort of Flash of emotions. I found myself, as much as I love it, man, it wouldn't like it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if if it would have went the other way. So that going into that fight, I thought was awesome. The fight itself, I thought the different weapons they used, Ooh, badass. I just yeah. thought the way the lighting and that whole sequence, and they've even got the rain falling outside. I thought it was just just awesome. I mean, what a what a way to finish that film. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up the relationship because him and his son have a relationship where it's they constantly refer to each other as Sifu and Disciple. And that's going to be important for the next film. Um, but you definitely feel the weight of him not just trying to get out of Ip Man's shadow, but to prove himself to his son, right? Um, Brad, I, now my question for you, Brad, is how does that fight sequence rank amongst the stuff that's happened in Ip Man 2, Ip Man 1, and even the stuff in the hallway with the the Thai assassin. I I will say, and you guys might come at me for this, I don't like the weapons part of the fight because I just know neither of them is going to, nothing is going to happen with the weapons. It's cosmetic. Because you know that it's it's just an ex, like they're just putting on like a show with the weapons. It means it's not going to cut off the guy's head, you know, like that's not how the, the, yeah, yeah. And it's cool, but the stakes are not there because you, you know, no one is going to get, you know, their arm is not going to get cut off. So I'm just kind of waiting for them to start going hand to hand. And when they do, it's amazing. And I don't really know if I've seen this before, but the way the tile like has this shine when they're like kind of walking over yes. it, it's really cool. Like it's a little thing, but it's just like, I don't know. It was just a cool aesthetic feature. Um, where do I rank this? God, it's hard to say because I think. You have Wing Chun going against Wing Chun. I know. I mean, like it's, it's let's amazing. Let's talk about it's, this for it's a second. Amazing. So the, it's amazing. There's references like, I, to the pole and the knife fighting between the two masters earlier in the film. And it, there's, it starts with that for a reason because they're testing each other based on their tradition of pole and knife fighting. And it goes to the hand-to-hand combat. I, I, I know, but there's no stakes in it. But I'm telling you that hand-to-hand combat is some of the best Wing Chun Absolutely. you're going to see on screen. I Absolutely. mean, you see traditional forms coming out within the fighting styles of Wing Chun that you just don't. There's so much detail. Like you could go back and watch that thing in slow motion. And there is so much detail 
in just how they're moving their hands and the basic combat formations. No, it's peak. Like it's peak. Oh, it's like God. apex of the the whole series is this right here. This you know the five minute fight after the weapons after the weapons <laughs> after the weapons. It's so it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, I I I feel like it's one of Yunwo Ping's like best choreography that he's done is that whole hand to hand sequence. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's apex. Brad, yeah, like Brad said too. It's just the whole tint of the scene. I was just really cool. I mean, just that 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 whole area where the fight was, I thought was only added to an already awesome awesome fight. Yeah, and I, I Brad, did you like the weapons? No, I did not like the weapons. <laughs> okay, I didn't. we didn't know Brad. Yeah, I didn't make it. I didn't, sorry, I should have made myself more clear. Well, and it's cool that his wife is on one side, sort of listening to what's going down. The kids are watching. Um, there's not much animosity. You know, they. What's interesting about the relationship to the to the two sons is they start out um, kind of going, "My dad's better than you," right? Um, but at the end, you know, they're fascinated with what's going on. Um, and even Ip Man's response to it all, you know, Chung takes down his sign, understands he's beaten, understands he's not the grandmaster. And Ip Man starts talking to him about the value of the people around him, obviously because of what he's been affected. But, um, man, it, for an action film, it's such a sweet ending, man. It, it just it really brings it together and, and hits home. Yeah, and I just like the kind of the honor part of it, too. Um, you know, it, it could be very easy to make uh, Chung like a really bad guy at the very end, and he's a sore loser and all this stuff. But he's actually comes across as like super likable, um, and someone who is just in it because he's in it for the struggle, um, and that helps when you're going into the Master Z because you you're going to spend a lot of time with him, so you kind of want to at least like him a little bit. And I know Brett kind of hinted at it, like. If he would have won, like, I don't know if I would have been upset. No. It would have been a weird turn, but I wouldn't have been upset. Like, his motivation as a character, you you know that he's the antagonist, you know, for the last part of the film. However, he's an antagonist. I don't want to say you can get behind, but you understand how he got to that place and what he's trying to do. Uh, and and I'm not saying his reasons are justifiable. Yeah, he's a rickshaw guy. Like he was like a you know he's just trying yeah. to make ends meet, and his motivation is pretty clear. Yeah, and and even you know him challenging it, man, and talking about you know, um, making sure that the traditional martial arts of Wing Chun is honored versus adding variation and stuff to that. I mean that that's his whole purpose. But I mean he understands the martial arts world and he understands what he's trying to do there. But well, he also could have said, "It man didn't show up. I'm the best." And he never does. No, yeah, he—it's <laughs> weird. He—he's not as humble as Donnie Yen, but he still has that humble-like quality mm-hmm. to him. And you can tell for him, winning isn't about like um, all the the riches and glory that come from owning the best martial arts school, right? It—it it is a, all about proving himself. And to your point, Brad, the honor that comes with holding that title. Any other thoughts about it, Man 3? Second half is 100 times better than the first half. I I agree 100%. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not and but even that comment, I don't want anybody to think like it's a chore to get through the first half. 
the first the I think the first half is okay. It but to me, if you watch a lot of martial arts films, it's above the average martial arts film just a little bit. But it really once you get to that to that second half, it it just becomes its own thing and it's stellar, man. Yeah. I will say knowing real quick, knowing what you what you started the show with, kind of explaining how the whole when you release a film in China, here's what you have to have, A, B, and C, made it easier to because my initial thought after I finished it the first time was it would and I touched on this at the beginning, it would have been awesome if Max Yang just would have been the sole villain, quote unquote, but you could have still had his character arc almost the exact same to where he still finishes the film with those values, not necessarily this evil, but he, I, I would have loved to see him like as the main sort of baddie throughout the film. And he's doing like these sort of assassin missions to make, to make money because when he's first denied that Kung Fu school, it's just heartbreaking. And yeah. she says, oh, you drive a rickshaw, basically laughs him out of the place. So to see him then, it would have been cool to see him sort of embrace that when he closes the door behind him and puts that mask up. I mean, he looks like a badass. Like, he looks badass to me. Oh, yeah. That, that could have been a guy who sort of stalked those other grandmasters. But it makes a lot more sense sort of hearing the backstory of how these films are made that that I'm okay with. That I, I just loved his character basically is what I'm trying to say. I think it was. So you want to hurry up and talk about master Z. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, before we, before we get to master Z, um, we got to ask the question of this one. Um, and Brett, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't even want to call you a guest. No, we're not going to start with you, Brett. You're like the regular, you're the old guy. Brad is it man three, a bomb. It is not a bomb. Um, I did struggle with the first half a little bit. Um, this is, I had seen this somewhat recently. Um, and I re- didn't remember the first half being so, I don't know, disjointed, I guess is the word. Um, but again, it, it does pick up pace at the 50 or 55 hour mark. Um, and it, uh, kind of goes from there and, and the, and this is the best finale of any It Man so far. So, um, yeah, not a bomb. Agree 100%. All right, Brett, your opinion. Although the story moves clunkily, as Troy <laughs> said, this is not a bomb. It, Tyson didn't work for me, but this is no way. This isn't a bomb. I, I agree with you. I, to me, the last half of this film is the best of the It Man series. Um, I love two and I, but to me, if you could take the first part of two and the last half of three and, <laughs> and put them together, you'd have like the perfect Ip Man film. <laughs> and you well, know, that's the, that's the thing with these films, right? They're, I think they're all fantastic, but each film has this like gaping story hole that you're like, man, this, this, this element just doesn't work. It's still a great film, but there's just something that sticks out. And again, I think you said it, um, Brett. I think it has a lot to do with what you have to put into a script or what you have to do to get this thing made in a Hong Kong Chinese co-production. And as Judd Apatow says, you know, we're seeing that now in American films to a certain degree. Um, but regardless of that, right, it it just comes with the territory when you're looking at Hong Kong films nowadays, especially modern Hong Kong films. There, I, I, 
I always think they're going to be at a disadvantage because of the environment that they're made in. Um, mm -hmm. And I find these to be more impressive because Agreed. if you get that second half to be as good as it is in that environment, I mean, that says something. But it's definitely not a bomb. All right, are you guys ready to get on to the next one? Man, that was a great conversation. I don't know how we're going to top that, honestly. I've got some things to say about Master Z, so. All right. Part two of an epic episode. We're getting into Master Z. So, Brad. Yes. What's this your question, one, Troy? <laughs> this one, compared to the other Ip Man films, we don't have Donnie Yen this time, right? No. This came out about uh, three years uh, after Ip Man 3. So it came out in 2018. And I believe out of all the movies we're talking about in Ip Man month, this is the one that, from a financial perspective, is a bomb, correct? It is a bomb. So I have questions on the budget of this film. Um, Ip Man 3 was made for $36 million. That is, you know, a decent amount of money. Sure. They make this one for 28, right? No Donnie Yen. No Donnie Yen. Um, but you're coming off of a, so you're, you're calling this the It Man Legacy Master Z or Master Z, the It Man Legacy, whatever. But you're giving the film almost as much money as you would a Donnie Yen featured film. Yes. Um, and you're, I don't, I don't know. And you're not calling it It Man, but It Man Legacy. Right. Um, I think that's a mistake right off the bat to give this film that much money. Obviously, It Man 3 was a huge success. This is not It Man 4. It's not. Now, what they're trying to do is they're spending that money not on Donnie Yen, but on a couple of other people that yes, they're bringing to the cast. Yes, you're but, you're you're buying stock low and hoping to later on sell high. I, I yes. get it. But <laughs> so, yeah, um, you still don't want to give away seven million dollars, and that's what they did. So it, so what was the total? So it cost twenty eight, and it it's brought about twenty two million. Okay, um, it did get a limited release in the U.S. Um, in April of two thousand nineteen. Okay. Um, 61 screens was the top. It made 205K. Um, so, you know, not great, but, you know, for 61 theaters, that's pretty good. Um, I will say Rotten Tomatoes likes this movie at 89%, which oh, is yeah. significantly more, not significantly more, but more than It Man 3. So this one was praised for kind of the action sequences being pretty fantastic. Um, I will say um, It Man is rated PG-13 um, here, which Netflix has this rated as TV-14, which I find a little bit weird that they have using the TV ratings for this one. But anyway, so I just thought that was weird when I was watching it on Netflix today that it said TV-14. Um, but do you have any idea of what films came out in April of 2019? You know, so long ago because it, it literally is nothing. I looked through this month. The only thing that like is of note is that Hellboy remake in that, in that film, in that film missing link. Oh, the literally that's it. The animated one. Yeah, that's it. Wow. That's it. Pretty much. Huh? I mean, it is like, 
I feel like this should have cleaned up then. <laughs> I mean, you're only looking at 61 films, but yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit barren. So, um, so yeah, but it, to note, this film cost $28 million without Donnie Yen. They gave Donnie Yen, it made three thirty-six. So I just find that odd. I mean, I, again, I get your point where they're kind of investing in another guy, but. Well, not not another guy. I don't I don't think they're investing in uh, Max Zhang or Jin Zhang. Um, well, let, let's get into the behind the scenes. So uh, we don't have Wilson anymore as a director. Yun Wu Ping moves from action choreographer to director of Master Z. Um, Edmund Wong and Tai Lee Chan of Ip Man 1, 2, and 3 come back for this one. So they lost their, their third screenwriter. So you, you have the same screenwriters from, you know, the first two Ip Man films. Action choreography is now handled by Yun Shun Yi. Um, the cast, now we bring uh, back Chung and his son because they're the focal point and the protagonist of this film. Portrayed, uh, portrayed by Max Zhang or Jin Zhang. Now, if you if you like him, uh, Brett, I, I think you said you didn't know a whole lot. There's two movies you should go seek out. Um, and if you haven't watched uh, Donnie and Sammo in Killzone, also known as SPL, go watch that one so that you can watch Killzone 2 because uh, Max Zhang is in that one. It is a fantastic – Killzone 2 is so good. And there's another film that's out now. I think Wellgo did release it. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere, but it's called The Brink. The Brink is another kind of modern action film, and he's he's in that as well, and it's really, really good. Um, but on top of him, you now get Dave Bautista. Uh, and some interesting facts about Dave on this film, he also is the producer on the film as well, okay? So he's got a producing credit. What do we feel about Dave Bautista as an actor? Well, his stunt double, do you know what his stunt double's name is? Dave hmm. Bautista? I don't know. <laughs> Robert Alexander de Groot. Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> so he is Groot? I guess. Sorry. Um, Got it. Good one. I'll see myself out. <laughs> Bye, guys. Exit stage left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like Dave Batista quite a bit. I do too. Um, the film I thought that he was way underrated, and this is going to surprise you, Troy, none at all, is the Blade Runner movie. Yes. 2049. He was fantastic in that movie. Um, Absolutely. I think he's surprisingly a very good actor. Um, like to the point where you're like, actually, I think he's good. Um, now he's so big, you know, that it's also <laughs> a little bit weird, but he sticks he's out. A, he's a good actor. I agree. Um, yeah. Okay. Brett. Yeah. Brett? I, I like him. I think he's good. And um, we were talking about Riza, the man of, the man with iron fists. Yep. I think Batista, Batista is one of the best part. I, I didn't love that film overall, but I think Batista really works. Yeah. I um, wanted to like that film way more than I actually I did too. I yes. did too. Yeah. I agree. Now you also pick up, um, Tony Ja plays Sadi the warrior. So another, um, Thai assassin comes into play. You get Zing Yu who plays Fu. And he's another um, Hong Kong regular. He's, he's a great actor. I like that guy a lot. Yeah, Fu is, Fu is a great character in this film. And Kevin Chang as So Tsai Kit. Uh, so he's, you know, the probably the main antagonist through the first part of the film. And you know he's an antagonist because he's got a ponytail. Yes, he does. He's got that Steven Seagal ponytail. 
And then um, the the one I kind of want to talk about a little bit, you get Michelle Yeoh at So Yan Kwan. Okay, so let me, let me just put it out there. Because Michelle Yeoh is in this, I automatically bump whatever score I would grade this on because <laughs> I am an unabashed Michelle Yeoh fan. You got to be. Yeah. That's okay. Know, this is a safe space, Troy. Yeah, do you know much about Michelle Yeoh, like her background and everything? I mean, probably not as much as you do. So she started as a ballet dancer, okay? Um, never trained in martial arts. So she she works with action choreographers and action directors, but she doesn't come from any kind of traditional martial arts background. It's all ballet. So okay. all of the kung fu that she knows is movie kung fu, right? So it's action choreography. That's all she knows. But um, she won the Miss Malaysia beauty pageant. So that's kind of what got her recognized. She got into the business by doing a commercial with Jackie Chan back in 1984. And then started working in some action films. Um, uh, I think it was Dixon Poon was the producer. Um, and originally was billed as Michelle Kahn before eventually being Michelle Yeoh. Now, th this is the thing. Like, my daughter loves Michelle Yeoh. And I think Michelle, Michelle Yeoh, like, I, I, don't, I don't know why more people don't talk about her. I mean, you get all of this press about um, Charlize Theron and stuff like that being a major Hollywood action star. Forget that. Michelle Yeoh is the queen of action cinema. If you go back to her filmography, and I don't know if you guys have seen these films, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of call out a few because I'm curious. Yes, Madam, 1985 with Cynthia Rothrock. Mm -hmm. Tell me you've seen this film. Yes. Brett. The no for me. Put it on your <laughs> list, man. I'm okay. telling you right now, the last <laughs> – that whole movie is fantastic, but the last 15, 20 minutes is just mind-blowing in terms of acrobatics and face-kicking. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, and you get Cynthia Rothrock on it. Um, in the Line of Duty, 1987, is another fantastic Michelle Yeoh film. Um, Dynamite Fighters, but it was also called Magnificent Warriors. I think this is on Amazon Prime, too. Um, it's Michelle Yeoh from 87, um, kind of adventure kung fu film. The thing that kind of put her on the map, I think, for American audiences was Police Story 3, um, Super Cop, called over here Super Cop. And what's interesting about that is she goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jackie. Um, obviously, he kind of got her start with the, the commercial, but um, you watch Super Cop, um, and please tell me you guys have seen Super Cop like eight times, right? Not eight times, but not eight. Okay, because I'm your friend, Troy. I've 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 seen it. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it's like of all the people that Jackie Chan has paired with on screen, nobody has gone toe to toe with him the way Michelle Yeoh does. And and it's there's all these infamous stories about Jackie telling her, no, don't do this, don't do that. And Stanley Tong saying, Michelle, come on, we're going to go film this. And as soon as she would do a stunt, Jackie would be like, whoa, I got to outdo that stunt. And that's where you get the finale of, of Super Cop. I mean, it's just them outdoing each other. Um, then uh, I don't know if you've seen these two films um, from 93. They're filmed back to back. Uh, but it, it it's Heroic Trio and Heroic Trio 2. And what's cool about these films, they also star Anita Mui and Maggie Chung these ring a bell no? no go watch these these okay. are fantastic yeah um she did super cop 2 which was the same character from police story 3 jackie has a cameo in that um and then she did a wing chung film in 84 donnie ends in that as well 
Tai Chi Master um, in 93 with Jet Li. If you want to see Michelle Yeoh's acting chops really come to the forefront, you can check out 1996 Akam. And uh, really that movie's about um, kind of working as a stunt person in the Hong Kong film industry. She's fantastic in that. Uh, a film I had a chance to see, a uh, funny story, when uh, my wife and I got married, we went and uh, honeymooned in San Francisco. So we went to the bookstore. We're like, where do we want to go? We pick out a book on San Francisco. We're like, hey, this city looks like eight countries in one city. Let's go. So we go there. We didn't plan this, but as soon as we get there, first night, we're like, hey, over here, there's an international like Hong Kong film festival going on, and they're showing all these Hong Kong films. So we got to check out Michelle Yeoh and the Soong Sisters in 97. Um, so that was that was awesome. Sure, that was just Kong an Kong accident. Films. It just, was, I, I swear. promise. <laughs> Tabitha, it was just an accident. It was just no an idea. accident. That's another, but again, it's another film that kind of shows off Michelle Yeoh as an actress, um, and she's fantastic in it. Now, she kind of makes a splash in 97. Do you know what movie she stars in in 97? Dunna, dunna, dunna. Yes. Bond. Tomorrow Is Never it Tomorrow Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies, right? yeah. Yep. Yeah. So she's kicking everybody's butt in that film. Then does 2000's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. 2005 Memora, uh, Memories of a Geisha, another um, dramatic turn for her. What I love about her filmography up to this point is you get some amazing action films, but she takes the time to go out and kind of expand herself in terms of uh, dramatic actress as well. Fearless in 2006. Brett's favorite guys... movie yes. in 2007. What's right? that? 2007 Sunset, right? Oh, yeah. Sunset. Sunshine. Sunshine. Sorry. Sunshine. Sunshine. Yep. Yep. Well, I was going to point out, um, did you guys catch in 2008 um, her her little film with Vin Diesel, Babylon AD? Nobody saw that movie, Troy. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, and we did talk about Michelle Yeoh. I think it's a li- What? Was that I think Brad? it's hilarious. You asked Brad and I if we knew this much about Michelle Yeoh. No, no, no one does. The biographer doesn't know this much. You Troy. just got it. You gotta go check. So I'm not saying go check out Babylon AD. I just thought that was funny. You started maybe Vin Diesel. Don't you know? Skip that one. Um, but um, True Legend. She was in that. We talked about that many years ago. Um, Reign of Assassins. Uh, same year in 2010. Another good film. Kung Fu Panda 2. Then she does some TV with Strike Back. She was in a season of that. Mm. Marco Polo. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Turns around, does some Star Trek Discovery. And um, I think her most notable film in the last few years was Crazy Rich Asians. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, dramatic, comedic turn with that film. She is probably one of my favorite actresses out there Um, you don't say yeah but i mean i'm telling you right now if you again look at her filmography it's not something where you look at her and go wow she does all these action films right she's she's not just sticking to one genre i mean she plays in everything science fiction drama comedy um you know face kicking movies whatever you and and she's the only person on the planet who went toe to toe with Jackie Chan and and you know I would say outdid him to some degree in Supercop so um how can she not be the best actress ever like of all time sure yeah <laughs> um what about Tony Ja I mean Brett you seem to like uh Thailand cinema right yeah so yeah. you big Tony Ja fan I do I mean I'm not 
ex- extremely well versed in I've seen probably the, the main ones. Um, I did like his character a lot in Master Z. Um, obviously, he's not on screen a ton, but I thought when he was, he's he was very good. Um, what what do you think, Brad? Are you Tony Jaw fan? Oh, uh, I am. I the uh, character he plays in this movie is um, obviously someone they were going to flesh out more in the sequel because um, he's very <laughs> uh, mysterious. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Ong Bak fans. Oh yeah, yeah. Have seen he, those um, Yeah, the so I think his first film was in '94. Pluk Moon Kyun Maka Four. <laughs> Never seen it. Um, and what's funny is if you go to a lot of bargain bin stuff like that, you'll find a lot of like early Tony Jaa films um, from the mid to late nineties, but he really doesn't hit it big until 2003's Ang Bak follows that up with, um, I think it's Tom Young Goon or the protector in 2005 does Ang Bak two on back on back three, 2008, 2010 there. And I can't remember the entire story, but he, he just, gave up filmmaking for a couple of years and said, Hey, I'm going to go and and be a monk or, you know, just kind of give up the good life that didn't stick. And so he comes back, does the protector Two, 2013 kill zone two in 2015 starts getting into Hollywood with furious seven in 2015. He is fantastic in that film. He is he's good. one of the villains. Um, it doesn't really have any dialogue, but I mean, he, he is just kicking everybody around and, and making it look cool. Does Paradox in 2017, uh, another fantastic film. And, you know, these two titles have come up, I think, a couple of times just in this conversation, but I know uh, definitely in the other episodes, you got to check out Killzone 2 and Paradox. Um, they're, they're readily available in the U.S. They're super good films. Um, works with Donnie Yen in Triple X Return of Xander Cage in 2017. I, I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, he has some dialogue in there, and it it doesn't. I mean, here's the thing about Tony Jaa: <laughs> <laughs> he looks good at at doing the flippy kicks and punching and stuff like that. The guy, I honestly think, has zero charisma and has the acting ability of a plank. Of <laughs> <laughs> Coming after him. Well, case in point: Triple Threat from 2019. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. Yeah, I mean, in that movie should have been so good. Should have just been fantastic given the cast. Scott Atkins, I think, is you know fine in it, but um, man, Tony Jaa, I I really want to love Tony Jaa. I love Ong Bak. I love The Protector. I love him Fury Seven. I love Paradox and Killzone Two. Like his best films are Killzone Two and Paradox. That's where I kind of think he actually might make it as an action star. But outside of those two films, I I just zero on the charisma level man uh, he just he struggles to carry a movie like i seriously check out when he's not kicking people okay i'm a little harsh on Tony <laughs> i don't even know what to say you left out that he was um, the stunt double in mortal Kombat annihilation yeah for robin chu oh, yes robin oh yeah yeah boy that's true I mean, he's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> Yowza! He's. I really. I. 
you know, I don't think we're gonna we're ever we're ever gonna do some of the Mortal Kombat films. Mm, I mean, the first one was the good, first one, yeah. But the second one was a bomb and could go. That movie could have gone porno at any second. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> that's true. I think it might have been better. No, it. I mean, I. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, Master Z. When when we get into talking about that film, I think. Tony Jaw delivers a Tony Jaw performance in Master Z. Like I said, he's there is no doubt he is a fantastic martial artist. I just um, want somebody to do more with him, like they did in Paradox and Killzone Two. I mean, um, continue working in, in with those creative personalities behind the screen, and, and he'll go places. Um, but you know, get some acting lessons, man. I, I, I hate I hate saying that, but <laughs> please. So just so I don't sound like an idiot. Tony Jaw plays the guy in the hat, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Just want to make yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> um, well, let's just get into it. I mean, I've expressed my love for Michelle Yeoh and my, yeah, Tony Jaw's Tony Jaw. <laughs> um, let's talk about Master Z. Brad, you, you want to go on this one? Yeah. All right, because um, so, you, you you've been texting about like yeah. you wanted you've been wanting to talk about this one for a while. So I watched this one right after It Man Three, and I don't know if I want to go out on a limb here because I don't. Am I in like a safe space here? Are you guys not going to judge? <laughs> no, I'm not going to judge. Like I thought this movie was freaking amazing. Like I thought it was way better than It Man Three. I 100% concur. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, this movie is amazing. It's the first time I've ever seen it. Oh, really? And you didn't yes. watch it before this? No, no. Oh, no man. idea. Watched it and was completely blown away. Like, this might be one of my favorite Hong Kong films I've ever seen. <laughs> Flat out. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Really? Do I have a man crush on a guy named Max? Like, maybe I do. I don't know. Like, it's so good. And it has no reason to be. Like, it's like a side project for it man and it's so good like it might be my favorite thing attached to it man so there um I, i'm crazy about this movie I, I i really enjoy it i think the fight scenes i so the, the thing that separates this from it man is the we're just gonna kind of have this story and it's all about getting these fight scenes going and going. Um, it's a little bit more of your traditional action movie and not as accessible as say, um, it man is this one is a little bit more raw, a little bit more violent. Um, and I'd say a lot more violent. Yeah. A lot more violent. And <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, it man has seven or eight action sequences. This one has, 11. I don't know. Yeah. A lot more. So, yeah. So, yeah, there we go. I think it's amazing. I'm curious about you, I, Brett. I mean, what's your reaction? I don't think I would disagree with anything that Brad said. I mean, I, I, I started the show, and I think I sort of hinted at how I felt about this. I, it, This was a first-time watch for me, too. And about three-quarters of the way through the movie, I thought to myself, is this better than any of the Ip Man films? And... I couldn't definitively say that it that it wasn't. And, and, and it, the movie ended, and I sort of had the same reaction that Brad did. I I absolutely loved it. I mean, there's just not a whole lot that I really critique about this. And in the same sense that the Tyson casting didn't work for me in three, 
Batista, I thought was perfect. I thought he was great. And oh yeah, I, yes. To your point about the violence, I obviously as a raid fan, I I don't think there's anything wrong with some, and I think there's some gore. I mean, it's yeah. Dude Michelle loses an Yeoh, arm. Michelle Yeoh shows <laughs> yeah. up and cuts a dude's arm off. So I I did kind of laugh at that scene because before I knew how much you loved Michelle Troy. I was like, that's, that's an awesome scene. Like, because you're just so used to, oh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Bam. He just takes the sword and just cuts the, cuts, cuts the dude's arm off. Says that's the, that's sort of the peace offering. Um, so I, when I heard about this film, I went and I, I saw the trailer uh, was super excited about it because I, I like um, Max uh, Max as, as an actor. Um, and when I saw Michelle Yeoh's attached to this, like, yeah, I'm not waiting for a U.S. release. I'm, I'm buying it from overseas. Get over here. And I remember watching it and telling my family, I'm like, hey, I've got this Master Z legend. And they're like, well, it's Donnie Yen. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's about the guy that lost to Donnie Yen at the end. Everybody's like, no, nah, not interested, right? That was everybody's reaction to it. I'm like, fine. <laughs> Sit in the theater, watching it myself. Um, we get, or me, not we, but I get to that sequence when they are fighting um, on the signs. It's right after his building, you know, burns down. And yep. it's it's downtown um, Wusha. You know, they're jumping around wires, stuff like that. My son just walks through the room and he's looking at it. And he's like, well, what's this? I'm like, was well, the movie you didn't want to watch? So he sits down watches it and has this reaction like that that's one of the best action films i've seen i'm like <laughs> i know next day go back and watch it again I, i've seen this thing a couple of times um i want to be the i, I want to be included in the cool kids club <laughs> and say hey this one's okay it's good it's got great action scenes blah 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 it man two still the best out of the series but I, i'd be the first to say if given a choice and you know, I'm probably showing my hand to next week. If given a choice of all the It Man films in this one, if I was only able to rewatch one of them, I would pick this one all day, every day out of all the It Man films. A thousand percent yeah, on board. It is. And, and I actually think, um, you know, the Tony Jaw character and the assassin bit, um, it, again, it struggles like the other It Man films where you've got this plot thread that's there. It doesn't feel like it's fully resolved. Um, it's just kind of there. But I will say it ha it's one of the first of the movies that has an interesting theme and it sticks to it and all of the protagonists and antagonists, it all works. Like none of it feels out of place. You don't you don't feel that jar that happens in the other films where you're like, Oh, we transitioned from foreign devils to this. You still have a foreign devil in here. You gotta yeah. have it, right? It's corrupt cops, white corrupt cops, cops <laughs> the whole nine yards. You you've got all of that. Westerners are bad. Um, but it's done in such a way that it moves the story, moves the plot, and it just makes total sense. And, and the thing I love about this from a story perspective is, you know, basically every protagonist in the film from, um, Chung, uh, to, uh, Fu, um, I mean, e even Michelle Yeoh's character, every protagonist in the film is trying to escape their past and trying to give up violence and live a legit life. 
Um, and the villains or the antagonists of the film are all of the people who won't let go of the past or let those people escape their past. And that storyline is throughout the entire thing. And it makes, it, it just makes perfect sense. Um, and I also thought like, this is how smart I think the filmmakers are. Did you guys, I, when you saw the black bat, what was your reaction to that? I had to look it up to see if it was real. <laughs> I did the is. same thing when I first saw it. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, the Black Bat and it's like Batman, a 1930s pulp comic, right? Yeah. Well, so the Black Bat and Batman hit the newsstands around the same time, and both claimed that the other one was a copy. Like Black Bat came first, Batman came, so it's copy, 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 right? So they're they're both saying, "Well, I'm the best," and I think that's interesting. That that little, I don't want to call it a side character, but this toy shows up and he's buying it for his son. and Because he's the black bat? Yeah, he's the black bat. He's not the and Batman? You, yeah, you think about that. You're like, well, he's not the Batman. He's the black bat because his son says, you know, he's just as good as him. And I think that's a quick little nod like, yeah, we know it's not it, man. It's the black, you know, it's not Batman. It's the black bat. Um, but it's just as good, right? Um, and, and I would go on record to say you know this is better i agree with you 100 brad i i i'll say it now this is the this is the best out of the series yeah i was feeling weird when i was watching and i was like this is so good and i was yeah, like you feel like you're cheating on donnie yen <laughs> for real for real i was <laughs> like, like oh my god sorry like, i hope he doesn't catch me saying this but, but it's so good oh. like and the action just keeps coming and coming and coming um can i talk about my favorite action scene well, let's let's run through them. There's okay. eleven of them. Okay. Okay. So you get you get right out of the gate. You get Chung versus Tony Ja in in this great exchange. And I mean, it it's quick. It's fun to watch like Thai boxing go again. And what's interesting is um, uh, Max is not um, Max Zhang is not using Wing Chung for most of the film. Right. So in the beginning, he's using a martial arts style against a Thai boxer. But it's not Wing Chun. It has elements of it, but it's not pure Wing Chun. But it it's such a uh, man. It's quick. It's it's fun to watch. Then um, you get the second action sequence, which comes rather quickly. It's Julia is being chased by Kit's gang, and then all of a sudden bump into Chung, and then Chung starts fighting all those guys. And there's that one sequence where the guy is about ready to kick him, and Chung like just nails his leg to the point that it just takes that guy to i mean just it's it's a hard landing let's just say that but that whole sequence is so much fun and again you know the choreography is fantastic the direction's good um I, right out of the gate in the first two action sequences i think you have stuff that is it it lets you know this is going to rival everything you've seen in the other three it man films absolutely then you get the fire, um, and then the wire foo on the signs. Which clunk? Yeah, go it's ahead. a little clunky because yeah. it's it looks really fake. It's it's the one sequence of this film where I'm like, all right, the wire is a bit much. It is. It, it was distracting. It, it's over the top. I I like the I like the originality of it. Mm. Um, I like what they were trying to do with it. I would say. If you want to see a sequence that's like that, that is just jaw dropping, check out 2008's Chocolate, um, which I think is directed by the guy who did Ong Bak. 
it's a, it's about the girl who has autism and watches the Bruce Lee films and then you know learns how to kick everybody's face oh, really fast. Not the shock, not the chocolate movie, but no, chocolate. no, 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 not, yeah, chocolate. It's really good, um, but it has a, a a fantastic sequence when they're fighting on the side of a building, kind of going from these air conditioning units that are sticking out, and the falls and and her taking these guys out is pretty brutal. So I think the sign sequence was going for that, but it was relying, I think, too heavily on the wire foo. Um, but I love the look of it. I mean, let's talk about Bar Street for a second. That whole set design that that's where the money went. It looked like yeah, in the, the neon like the neon signs and all that stuff. Like the nineteen sixty ish, fifty ish, late fifties, early sixties of this film is so great. Oh so yeah, great. a lot of fun. Um, then the fourth sequence after that, which comes super quick, is Chung versus Tony Jaa Part Two. It's much longer. Um, that whole sequence of him trying to kick him and him just doing the splits yeah, between awesome. the pillar and the wall and yeah. swinging up. <laughs> he does, and he does, he kind of does the Spider-Man grab on the wall, like behind uh, him is, yeah. So good. Um, then you get another sequence after that with Chung versus Kit's gang. Um, it's kind of part two of that exchange, but that's where Chung sets fire on, um, Kit's, uh, opium den. Um, then you get a, what I think is a fun exchange between Michelle Yeoh and, um, Chung kind of fighting over yeah. a glass of whiskey, trying to pass it to each other. Yeah. Um, which is a fun little exchange. You get Chung versus Fu on the roof after that, where, um, they're sliding down awesome. like the side of that roof. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, so much fun. Fu as a character I mean, here's a bartender, uh, or excuse me, here's a bar owner who's a horrible mixologist, <laughs> which I thought was a funny little character. Um, then, uh, okay, I'm going to guess this is your favorite, Brad. It's mine. It's it's kind of a two-parter. It starts with um, Kit attempting to take over the gang and shows up with all of his men. And then Chung and Fu show up and take out the entire gang. Yes. And then it quickly transitions to Chung versus Michelle Yeoh and then Fu versus the bodyguard. Bodyguard. Yes. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. two action sequences, but and I'll, it, I'll, I'll uh, tell you I'll tell you why. There's a shot where it's Michelle and Max fighting, and then you can kind of see in the distance it's Fu and the bodyguard fighting kind of at the same time, and they're just all kind of going beautiful it's so good it is so good like that sequence right there i know we just talked about it man 3 having you know apex of the series this fight scene right here is the best thing ever like it's so good it's so good i, I agree and and you, it's funny you say that because i also remember out of that sequence the camera starts on the side of foo and the bodyguard and you're seeing the all you know pairs going at it, and then the camera goes through Fu and the body, bodyguard to close up on Chung. Yeah, there's and a lot of complicated Yo. shots. I, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm just flabbergasted at how they did some of the choreography and the filming that went on. And you want to talk about so between the fish market in two and the shipyard in three, and then you get two guys. So here's the difference: you get two guys against Kit's gang in that little. I don't know, enclosed lobby versus an entire shipyard. And that sequence with, uh, in, in master Z is 10 times more impactful, kinetic, just flat out amazing than anything within that shipyard or even, um, the fish market sequence. Yeah. 
I feel like I'm good. Brett, no. I, I'm just no. monopolizing the I completely the agree. I mean, that, was, that was what I was going to say is my favorite fight scene for all the reasons you guys listed. And I think, too, I think a lot for me, what worked so well, I, this, I like I the linear storytelling, I think, makes the fight scenes better because it's sort of, like you said, we're not all of a sudden in the middle of this one sort of storyline that we're invested in and, and, and then all of a sudden it jumps around like this there's a singular story it's linear throughout and i think that helps and, and so by the time we get to this police station we like foo we obviously like max zang we even like michelle yo and so really we've got all these characters that we care about then all of a sudden it flips and you see the michelle versus max and it's just all these different dynamics on top of it being just an awesome fight scene Yeah, and then you get two sequences after that, which is Fu versus Batista, which is so one-sided. Um, and you love that Fu character so much. And I, I, it really crushes you to see what happens to him. And there's nothing he can do. But I also think it underscores like the villainy of Dave Batista's character, too. Because he beats um, him with no honor. I mean, most of the time when they kill somebody, at least they're – it's a – the advantage is not so blatant. Um, yeah, it, having him cuffed is like, okay, this is not even fair, and you're going to kill him as well. Um, so I guess I wouldn't be as mad if he killed him if the odds were even. But you know, the fact that he is dirty makes him even worse. And and to be so cocky to kind of go, I'm going to prepare this entire meal yeah. for you, knowing it's your last meal. Yeah, I, I mean. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. Wow, that's so intimidating. Every, but I'm, I felt I'm, every rib shot when he grabbed the cuffs and was just like oh, one, yes. grab the cuff, bring him back. And it's just the way they filmed that, you just felt like you were just getting obliterated. I mean, it was just, that was awesome. And like you said, I think that's where having that one main villain and then really showcasing, okay, you think this pushing drugs is bad? watch him just annihilate this character that we've really had come to love. And, you know, Fu was sort of like that goofy sidekick who was also kind of a badass. And to just see him, not even like Brad said, he didn't have a chance to, to really, it wasn't even like a fight per se. It was more of just a massacre. That to me was really, again, sort of then it starts setting the stage. You're like, all right, it's, this is going to be good as we near the sort of the, the final fight. Dave Batista is, we talk about it as a good actor. He is an amazing villain because after that scene, I wanted to see that guy dead. I wanted, I wanted Dave Batista taken down so bad after taking out Fu. I mean that, I think that's how good this film is because um, as much as I like, you know, Donnie Yen in the Ip Man films, et cetera, I feel like I was really ready to just stand up and just um, I, I got emotionally invested in this one. Um, and I, I felt like all the stakes were there. And uh, man, I, I just as much as I love the sequence with his wife um, talking about I want to hear you practice on the dummy, et cetera. That's a that's a good gut punch. But this film just got my blood boiling as soon as they took out Fu. I'm, I'm like, I'm ready for the showdown um and the showdown what'd you guys think of the showdown i mean you get chung versus batista um and up to this point you watch the mike tyson thing you're like woo this can go one of two ways between ip man 2's boxer mike tyson and you got dave batista 
what would you guys think? You always wonder like how these huge dudes, like, you know, these big muscle guys would do against these, you know, what's Dave Batista weigh? I mean, he's got to weigh 300 pounds. Um, All muscle. Yeah. And (laughs) Chung probably weighs 160 maybe. So, you know, it's double the weight. If he's um, carrying sixty pounds, yes. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> soaking wet, uh, but yeah, it's it's this like this dichotomy of like, you know, strength and speed, and you know, how am I going to do this? And you know, it he just kind of wears him down, which is would realistically probably have to happen. Batista would have to kind of start to you know fatigue out a little bit. Um, you know, he tries to do the power bomb again and. Uh, doesn't go well. So I like how they kind of incorporate some wrestling moves um, into the whole thing. And it's a really cool sequence um, just because you have that strength versus speed kind of aspect um, that, you know, y- you thought you were going to get with Mike Tyson, but you know, it, it was timed. So it, it kind of ended too quickly, but here it's uh, you know, you kind of worry there for a while because you see just kind of what kind of damage Batista can do. Um, but you know, obviously we know the, the hero is going to win, but it's nice to kind of see him, you know, have to kind of go through a lot to, to beat the, beat the bad guy. I, I think it was touch and go there for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, in the middle of it, I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> Brett, what, I mean. Yeah. To, it's, you know, it's Batista is almost, so his character in Man in the Iron Fist is this sort of, um, Colossus type of guy from X-Men, right? So it's it's hard not to see him in, in in that final fight. He's such a large presence. And then when you've got the the dynamic and the the um the, the disparity between the two when they stand next to each other, you're you're like Brad said, you're just sort of you're interested to see, okay, in the back of your mind you're thinking he's going to win this fight, but how is he going to get from point A to point D without it feeling forced without it feeling like, okay, could this, but it, it's really sort of a back and forth. And again, you'd love to be a glass maker around this time because the amount of glass, <laughs> the work you're getting, I mean, they just go through, it's really cool how they, you know, Batista sort of has that power jump where he jumps and you're like, if he lands on this dude, he's going to crush him. And so there's just different sort of dynamics throughout that fight that, were really good because you know that that my fear was at that point I had enjoyed the movie so much I was praying that they that final fight would sort of live up to the billing and it did and I think yeah they got a they got a nail the landing yeah correct exactly and it's that's easier said than done when 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 you've got that sort of physical disparity um, because I know you know as powerful as martial arts and Wing Chun and you know we've just talked about all the it mans in this film you know there's something to be said about this 290 pound behemoth and i remember when somebody asked bruce lee you know that the whole bruce lee muhammad ali fight that people wanted and even bruce lee was like yeah it's it's hard when, when there's that much disparity but i thought the way they handled it was 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 awesome it was really good it was really cool and, and they picked a guy who, you know, Batista's big, but he's not a lumbering oaf. That guy's quick. He's, oh, he's agile. so he quick. Move. He's agile. I mean, he was jumping. 
I feel like they couldn't use wire work on him because what wire is going to hold him at that velocity, right? So, um, and like you said, Brett, if if he landed on him, it, it was over, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's a great fight sequence because up to that point, and I I don't know how many times I've watched this film, I always forget he he really isn't using you know Max Chang isn't using Wing Chun up until the end of the film, and that's what he needs in order to take out Dave Batista. Um, and I, and, and that's an art form, like, okay, that means you got to get in close with this guy and as quick as he is and those power bombs that he's throwing, you don't want to take any of those, but to see Wing Chun used against that, um, in a traditional form and, and that choreography is, is so much fun to watch. It's, and man, if you're not standing up at that point, just cheering, when Max, I mean, then you have no soul, in my opinion, because it's <laughs> such a good sequence, man. I mean, it, it's it, it it. What was great about Rocky Four is seeing you know Rocky Balboa against Ivan, and just you know watching Rocky just go at it right against this towering behemoth. And I think you get a little bit of that within this, but much more stylized and and obviously more glass and tables and <laughs> walls being broken and everything else, but. Man, it it still is just ex- as exhilarating. I, I I would say it rivals. I mean, I I'm with you guys. I still think that sequence with Michelle Yeoh and everything else is is my favorite part of the film. But oh man, you get to that final sequence, it's it's right there. It's so and he's so good at it. I I just I'm amazed at Dave Batista. After this film, I want to go watch that spy movie he did with the little girl or whatever that's on the Amazon. I mean, that's how good he is in this film. <laughs> go watch Stupor. Yeah, no, don't go watch Stupor. <laughs> yeah. I think I, that's the Uber movie. Yeah. yeah, I did watch that. It was okay. He's he's all right. Um, and you know Michelle Yeoh, not to praise more love. I love how her introduction to the character is very much um, sort of Untouchables light, where she's walking around you know the table and like oh, people who steal bad things happen to them, and then she takes out that guy with the abacus or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know instead of a baseball bat, but. Um, <laughs> If, if you know Michelle Yeoh early films, you know that she can, you know, just deliver a can of whip ass on anybody and how it comes about in this film. It's so explosive and it feels like it's out of nowhere, even though, you know, it's Michelle Yeoh and she can do that stuff. Um, it's just so great to, to see her jump into the fray like that. Um, my gosh, what what else to talk about? I Outside of just <clears throat> talking about how much. Like this movie's I, good. It, <laughs> it boggles my mind that this didn't do as well as it did against the others. I know. I mean, I guess that's the weight of Donnie Yen, right? Yeah. But my goodness, people! Well, they had come three on. three films to build up the character and stuff. But yeah, this movie is. So <clears throat> one of the things I was thinking about when I watched this is um, we had talked about the what's this Gavin O'Connor movie? Uh, what movie do we? Oh, Warrior. Warrior. He yeah. also. He, he also directed a film called Miracle, which is about the 1980 Miracle on Ice um, when the U.S. beat the Russians. And I had seen another documentary about what happened when the Russians actually returned home. Because here in the United States, it was like the one of the biggest things that ever happened in sports is, you know, these 20-year-old kids beat these grown men in hockey. Um, and then these Russians had returned home and they were failures. Um, and that's kind of what I was thinking about in this film is... Chung is like basically wandering the land with his tail tucked between his legs because he lost. Um, basically the one thing he wanted to do was to prove that he was better than Hitman. 
he loses and then he kind of has to walk back his ideal that he's the best doesn't do Wang Chung for a while because you know he just kind of loses it and then at the end he kind of has to come back to it and I I was just kind of thinking about that's kind of a cool thing to do is like this fallen hero sort of thing um and then at the end it like kind of all comes back full circle so yeah it's it's a it's a cool story it's a cool redemption story um I saw that they're you know trying to make a sequel to this movie I hope they do because it it definitely leaves a lot to be desired at the end um so I don't know it said April of 2019 they were you know doing a sequel but you know you don't know now with the way 2020 is so we'll see yeah what I the other part I liked about it was in in Ip Man 3 the the relationship between Chung and his son um Fung I think is his name was always Sifu and Disciple right so what I what I really like in terms of character touches on this is Ip Man 3 ends and and Donnie gives that speech about you know the value of the people close to you and so you go into Master Z and I love that Chung learned that lesson because now it's not, you know, Sifu and Disciple, but, um, you know, Fung is calling him Papa and, you know, he's like, hey, boss, you know, there's there's a bit more personality between the exchange and you can tell that Chung did like take that last fight and that last, I, I would say, words of wisdom that Ip Man imparts on him and he's living it. But his ego's bruised and he's trying to give up martial arts. He's trying to get away from the violence and everything else because I don't think he understood, you know, what the martial arts meant to him. And what and to your point, Brad, what's cool about this story is it's a fallen hero and he recognizes what Wing Chung is to him. And it's the thing embracing that is the thing that makes him succeed in the end. Yeah. Um and I, I think that's that storyline is all the way through. It's not disjointed. You can sit there and nitpick and go, well, I don't like the fact that Tony Jaa and the whole ma- you know, assassin things in the beginning, and then it shows up in the end, and it's like, yeah. Um, and I've heard people like, well, why is Tony Jaa on the street? And then Zhang, it's like, well, you know, they either ran into each other or he was going to kill. <laughs> um, he was sent out to kill, you know, um, Chung, or, and then as soon as he sees his son, he, he gives up on it. I don't know. Um, I think there are some plot threads that aren't tied up very neatly, but it's it's so minor, um, and it gives you some good action sequences. And at the end of the day, the movie stays true to its story of here's a group of people, Julia, Fu, Chong, um, Michelle Yeoh's character. They're trying to escape their past, and they're trying to come to terms with their past. Um, and even Chong is, until you embrace your past and, and learn from it, you're not going to succeed, and that's what the movie really just goes through and tells it, it's a better script than than the other three Ip Man films in my opinion absolutely and, and you kind of give a film a lot of leeway when you like the characters and you like the action um you know in, in, an, in an action film if you like the people and you're invested in the people in it those people get you to action point to action point that's fine you're like yeah you just kind of that's Great. all you absolutely. need really so you kind of forgive some of those plot holes and you know, mistakes because you're invested. That's all that matters. So the question I have for you guys is, um, let's say you, you haven't watched the Hitman films and you come across this one. 
does it work as a standalone or do you need to watch Ip Man 3 in order to uh, appreciate this? No, I think that's one of the good like attributes of this film is you have you don't need to have any context for who this guy is. Um, you know, you kind of get it little piecemeal here and there, but the film stands by itself. Um, and I think that's probably one of its best things because maybe you don't want to watch three It Man films to get into this movie. Um, yeah, just go right into this. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think, I think Brad hit the nail on the head. I, you know, I don't think you need a whole lot of context. I think this works as a standalone film. I think it works great. In fact, I, I don't, Obviously, if you if you had watched if you watched the It Man films, I don't. Now that I think about, it, I don't know that it would add anything if you had watched them. I, it, if you just came across this, it, I don't think you're missing out on anything by not seeing the It Man. Yeah, I, I mean, and if if you're not, I I think It Man three adds to this a little bit. I mean, if let's say you don't watch It Man one or two. You just start with It Man 3 and then you follow it up with Master Z. I think it actually makes a pretty good story arc for Master Z to see what he was doing beforehand, what led him to the start of this film. And I, I think It Man 3 does a good job of setting up where this character is going to start and then the story arc he goes through. It, But I agree with you guys both. I mean, you don't have to see any of the It Man films to, to watch Master Z. But I, I, it just boggles my mind. I mean, like I said, it might I know, be hard to go back. If you see Master Z and then go to it, man. That that's a good point. A good um point. I, I think it would be hard. Like I, I think if you start with Master Z and then go back and watch It Man one, two, it, and three. It might not work. Uh I, I agree hundred percent. Well, but you know the the thing I can't take away is Samuel Hung's choreography. It is I feel it's just a different style than Yun Wu Ping than what he did in three. And again, one and two have a very traditional story arc, I think, in a martial arts like cinema. And um, Master Z and even Ip Man 3 feels a bit more modern. Like I can see why they pushed Ip Man 3 more on an international scale with the the stars in it, like Mike Tyson. And I can see why Dave Bautista would be a producer and they would, you know, in my opinion, I'm like, yeah, I sink 26 million into this you're bringing michelle yo you're bringing dave batista you're bringing tony jaw um max jang was praised for what he did in it man 3 everybody loved him and i think this has a much more global appeal than the other it man films um i mean the the propaganda is a little bit toned down it, it is <laughs> i mean you still get the whole you know um Westerners corrupt the local government. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the local Chinese cops who have to fight it and stuff like that. But I mean, heck, that's that's been a staple in most martial arts <laughs> movies from the sixties on, man. Um, it's just part of the history. That that's that's what it is. Uh but I, I, I just I still can't wrap my head around why so many people have not watched this film. I mean, when when you talk about the Ip Man films, everybody's like talking about one, two, three, and four. And I'm like, yeah, what about Master Z? And, and everybody's like, well, what do you mean Master Z? And what's funny is I, I talk to a lot of people who love these movies and they kind of they kind of diss on Master Z a little bit. And I, I don't understand that. They're wrong. I have it playing <laughs> in the background right now and it's on the fight that we were just talking about. And all right, guys, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'll see you. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, well, what else? Any, any other parting thoughts on Master I, Z? I don't want to just be like a 
excited schoolgirl or whatever, but man, this movie is so good. Like I, it, it, it might be too much to just be like, Oh, it's so great. And blah, blah, blah. But do yourself a favor and, and see this movie immediately. If you haven't seen it, it is, I think probably like one of the class acts of, you know, the last three or four years of Hong Kong cinema. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I just watched flashpoint for the first time. I mean, in flashpoints again, probably top top but this one is like up there for me um for something yeah. that I, I literally hadn't heard anything about it until we started talking about doing it man and you're like well actually there's five it man movies i'm like no there's not there's only four and you're like well there's master z so you know up until eight weeks ago i had no idea that this movie existed but that that's the conversation when you when you when you brought like this idea of doing the it man films and you're like well we're gonna do four and i'm like well yeah, but there's five. How, we, we, are we going to do like an extra episode? or? Um, and when we started talking about it, I'm like, well, you got to watch Master Z, which is 3.5 when we talk about three. But everybody has that same reaction. They think one through four, and, and either they don't know about it or they forget about it or they go, oh, well, Donnie's not in it, so it can't be any good. I'm telling you, folks, the fact Donnie's not in it. Can we talk about um, – I, I do have another question real quick. Donnie in the Ip Man character, very humble, um, very charismatic, etc. Max Zang really doesn't smile. Like Donnie does a lot of smiling in the Ip Man character. He like has this weird shyness to him. It's it's very introverted, shy, um, stoic, I, I think you would say. I mean, yeah. he, he plays like there's a lot of weight on his shoulders in terms of life and taking care of his son, etc. Um I'm assuming that works for you because you've totally bought into this character in three and especially master Z, right? A hundred percent. Absolutely. There's no doubt. Yeah. I, you're not getting the Donnie M charm here, but I actually think that's okay. And it's and different. Yeah. It's for... just a different sort of, I don't know. It's, it's weird that it's just so different, but it works at on the same level. Well, and I'm glad they didn't try and copy it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You need to do something that would have been the worst thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then last thing, I, um, as far as the thing I want to talk about, Dave Batista, that whole um, I only made one steak scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> what an introduction to like just how cold hearted this guy is. It reminds me of that part in uh, uh, Dark Knight with the Joker. That's exactly. I wrote like, that. Out. Yeah. That's oh, funny. Oh, good. Good call out, man. Yeah. yeah. And then he, then he tells him, I would have worked with you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just, God, he's so good in this movie, man. All right. Um, well, are ready to ask the the ultimate question on this one? I think we know the right. answer. Right? It's not. It's not a bomb. <laughs> not yeah, a bomb. It's, okay. We, it's guys. It's not a bomb. As a matter yeah. of fact, it's so underappreciated and underseen. You have to. Yeah. Um, this is the reason why we do stuff like this. Is for movies like like this. I'm so. I was so worried coming to this that like I love love this film, and I thought um, to kind of jump on this episode ago. Hey guys. Uh, I kind of like this one out of all of them. If we were to rank them, um, I thought you guys would just poke and no. That's why I was tentative when I was like, I think I like this one the most because <laughs> again, I I feel like I'm cheating on Donnie, but I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, man. It's it's awesome. Go see it. Um, gosh, that was that was a lot of fun talking about those two films. Oh yeah. Um, I do want to mention something real quick. Um, I think at the beginning of this whole Donnie Yen month, we were kind of throwing out some recommendations on 
hey, if you want to dip your toes into Hong Kong cinema and uh, really get a taste of what got us addicted to it. You know, we were mentioning, uh, obviously, things like Jackie Chan, John Woo films, Jet Li, Donnie Yen, uh, all of that stuff, Samuel Hung. Um, there is a website out there that I encourage everybody to check out. Um, all you have to do is Google Hong Kong Rescue Blu-rays. And um, the reason why I want to point this out is this individual who's running this website, they are sort of curating um, Hong Kong films and looking at sort of the iconic and influential ones. And I took a chance on this website because, you know, it's, it looks kind of sketchy. I'm not going to lie. It, it does look a little sketchy. And when you read it, you're like, oh, it, it looks like a custom shop, very similar to how people are selling like despecialized Star Wars editions, stuff like that. And when you look at the titles, you're like, well, wait a second. I, I think such and such released a blue or DVD special edition of this, that and the other. And so I'm like, you know what? Um, $16 for a two disc Blu-ray and you're looking at these special features. Let me check it out. So I started with um, Police Story 3, Super Cop, Drunken Master 2, and John Woo's Hard Boiled. And I got to tell you guys, um, this website delivers. Uh, it's a two disc Blu-ray set custom made but let me just give you an example of what is on these suckers so i get drunken master 2 um you know again probably my favorite film of all time and um on disc one how many copies do you have i don't want to say that because okay. then tabitha will listen and then she'll yell at me and but let's not go there so this is probably like copy i don't know eight nine what like format are we talking all, all in of or? All, all of them Oh yeah, we're not, let's not go there. Um, so, but okay, let's talk about this release. So disc one um, has the uh, 1080p uncut Hong Kong version. It has the 1080p Warner Asia version when they release that. English subtitles, but you also get Cantonese 2.0, um, Cantonese 5.1, original English dub 2.0, Mandarin 2.0, isolated music and sound effects and a Bay Logan commentary, disc one. You go to disc two, you get the U.S. Miramax version when it was released as Legend of Drunken Master. So it's another version. That's three versions of this film in this Blu-ray set. Behind the Master feature at Image Gallery, Japanese TV special, Lark Car Long tribute, T Long profile, music video, scene comparisons, drunken style in films. A little um, special on that. Rare intros, vintage featurette, video game promo. Trailer Archive, My Path to Success, Promotional Archive, Make a Difference, Salier TV Special. That's all in this Blu-ray. I mean, this thing is the most comprehensive release of Drunken Master 2 you can think of. And they're $16. 16 bucks. Yeah. Um, Super Cop 3 is the same way. You get the uncut Hong Kong version, the U.S. version, plus tons of special features and extras. On Hard Boiled, um, what I like about the Hard Boiled is on the movie disc, you get... Um, Cantonese 16-bit two-channel uncompressed PCM stereo. You get the DTS 5.1 remix in Cantonese, the English dub 5.1 remix, but it's the audio commentaries. Audio commentary by John Woo, producer Terrence Chang, filmmaker Roger Avery, and critic David Kerr. Additional audio commentaries by John Woo, Bay Logan, podcast on fire and criterion. On the bonus disc, you get not only the making of Hard Boil and interviews with everybody from Chow Yun-Fat to Terrence Chang, Tony Lung, you get the extended Taiwanese version of Hard Boiled on disc two, plus the alternate opening, um, John Woo student film, trailer gallery, Hard Boiled versus Stranglehold, 
these things are re- I'm going to go back and buy every one of these. I think he's got 10 films out there and um he just raised enough money um to secure a uh, a new restored print of John Woo's Bullet in the Head, so he's working on that right now. Um and I think he's getting ready to release The Killer, but they've got Project Day, Armor of God, um The First Drunken Master, uh Peking Opera Blues I think is on there too. But I highly recommend for anybody who wants to dip their toes at a reasonable, affordable price, just read the website. It does take about three weeks plus to get them um, because I I think it's a small production company. Um, But I got to tell you, this Hong Kong Rescue um, Blu-rays, they're they're just fantastic. Yeah, I ordered ordered the uh, hard-boiled as soon as you told me. So it's going to be three weeks, but yeah. I can't yeah, wait. check out the website. They, they've got like comparisons too of the prints and the restorations that they've done on them, et cetera. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a cool little outfit. And, and I would also encourage you, you know, there's um, there's so many ways outside of eBay and stuff to get all the films that we've mentioned. Well, Go USA is putting tons of stuff out. And obviously between Amazon Prime and Netflix, you can find a lot of the films that we've talked about. And um, again, if three, you know, three weeks into Ip Man... Um, and talking about all things we love, um, you know, I just encourage everybody to, if you have, don't worry about the subtitles. I mean, there's, there's dubbed options, um, if, if that's what you go for, but, um, and and Brett, I know you're kind of newer into this newer by about 10 years when, when I started throwing a ton of stuff at you, but I think, I think you can (laughs) attest that, you know, dip your toes, man, take a, take a chance, watch some of the stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and I would encourage you to, um, keep the subtitles on and watch with the original. I dubbed sort of takes you out of it a little bit. Um, you can still enjoy the films, but I would highly, highly recommend as somebody who isn't as well-versed as these two guys, um, keep, keep the original language and just the subtitles are absolutely fine. A quarter of the way through the film, you forget you're even reading the subtitles. I mean, that's that's my piece of advice for anybody who's sort of newer to the genre. Because that was my initial fear was, well, are the subtitles going to take me out of it? And I can tell you now, after about a decade, they don't whatsoever. Would, would you, you guys would agree with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I mean, it. I, working in video stores and talking with people and recommending things and the the eight i would always hear this well i don't want to read my movies i'm like man you're you're just missing out on so much and the cool thing about hong kong films especially the good action ones i mean heck it's an hour and a half film maybe there's 15 minutes of dialogue (laughs) and then the other hour and 15 minutes is some epic face kicking and punching and stuff i mean but it looks good right so um no it's it's a fun genre so uh brad what's uh what are all the, the regular details, stuff we should uh, be sharing? Yeah, so website is notabombpodcast.com. Um, go there. You can find our other show that we host, uh, Friends with Cinefits. Check that out. Um, our Twitter is at notabombpod. Um, our Gmail account for feedback, suggestions, things like that is notabombpod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap up It Man next week. Um, with just Troy and I, and no, we will... we're trying to get oh. a special guest. Oh, yeah, he hasn't right. committed yet. Yeah, yeah. We're we're working out the details, but hopefully we can get somebody that. Um, and we'll have I our mean... final rankings of the It Man series. Yes, 
it, it'll be fun. I mean, I'm curious where, especially after um, tonight's conversation, where all these are going to land. And I'm super curious to get into it, man, for I've never seen playing, it. You haven't seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Um, mm. So it, man, four is the most recent one. It came out. <laughs> Thanks. In, yeah. No, it came out uh, in the States, December of 2019, pre pandemic. Um, it did get a limited theatrical release. I was, uh, I think the family and I were back in Indiana for Christmas, left early so that we could catch Ip Man 4 in the movie theaters. Um, and then uh, I think you're watching it on 4K, right? Yes. So that was, selfishly, this was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this <laughs> Ip Man month is because I hadn't seen the, the finale yet. And I was like, well, what's a good reason to, you know, force myself to watch it? And it was ask you if we could do this. So that was kind of my, my way of getting to be able to watch it, you know, with you and talk about it. So, yeah. And, and again, um, if anybody wants to check out Donnie N and, and, you know, 4k, this is how you do it outside of, uh, I think rogue one. Um, but the, uh, I, I think you and I are both going to be watching the 4k disc, but I, for everybody else, they can stream it. They can follow yep, it's along. on Netflix as of this recording. Yeah. So please check it out. And, um, we're going to close out September with a, uh, another epic episode, although it, it's going to be hard to top this one. Cause this one's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. As always, gentlemen, what a blast. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're, we're going to bring you back in October for spooky month. So once we get our picks, you're going to have to carve out which movie you want to talk about. You all fill me in on the schedule. I'm awesome. just glad I'm not one of the characters from Hitman 3 who exits the stage left. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Yeah, yeah. I like Never, that I'm man. a recurring character. Oh, you're awesome. We we appreciate you taking the you know time out of your busy schedule to uh, come and, and chat movies with us. And um, for everybody, don't know if you're listening in the morning or evening, we are super appreciative that you download this episode and listen to us um, talk about all the things we love like Donnie N, Michelle Yeoh um, awesome kung fu movies um, but yeah I, I'm, we, are, we are truly blessed and just in awe of how many people you reach out to us and talk to us and interact with us and um, again this is just our I, I would say COVID project that turned into you know an excuse for us to talk movies once a week and yeah, um, we appreciate everybody listening. Now it's just this huge boulder going down a hill and we can't stop it <laughs> <laughs> that's true all right, folks. Well, Brett, again, thanks for showing up. Thanks for having me on, guys. So, so much fun. Awesome. All right, folks. We will chat with you next week for Hitman 4.